You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors about Star Wars The Last Jedi, Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars uh, The Han Solo Film, Episode 9, all these other new and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe, um, including a couple newly announced ones that we've got to talk about this time around. Um, It's good to finally be back. I was going to say, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, but I wasn't on the last episode, so I guess I should say, you know, as usual, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm back in the driver's seat and uh, got my co-host Tim with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Yeah, good to have you back in your pilot seat. I mean, me and Paul took the show out for a spin on the last episode, and we got it back in one piece uh, for you to come back and take over as a host again. So good to have you back. Yeah, well, I have to say you guys uh, yeah, brought it back in one piece, didn't scratch it up or anything. Um, no, I thought you guys did a great job on the last episode, and that was fun to listen to. So uh, thanks again to Paul Herman for filling in for me on that one. Um, yeah, but... Just don't look at the satellite dish on the ships because that might be a little dinged up. Ah, <laughs> uh, well... Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to think the whole laundry list of people that Han Solo was blaming for stuff. <laughs> Duquesne and the Irving boys and all those people. I'll blame one of those guys. There you go. Yeah, just don't blame me and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, obviously it's been a super busy time for me. I uh, just moved into a new apartment, started a new job, and then... Right when I was finally starting to get settled in and thinking like, oh, we should record a new episode again. Then we had Thanksgiving and holiday stuff coming up. So um, finally, things are are quieted down and back to normal and I'm settled into my new place. I've got my computer set up. I've got Internet, all that good stuff. Um, So let's get back to talking some Star Wars news. Um, And man, it feels like it's been forever since we last recorded together. And it feels like there's been just a ton of stuff to talk about uh, during that stretch that I've been itching to to finally get back in the game here and uh, talk about some of this stuff. So we're actually going to split this up into two episodes because, as you guys know, uh, Tim and I are huge fans of Star Wars Battlefront and we're you know, hugely anticipating, uh, that game. And that's out now. Um, we've been playing that a lot and, uh, but there's also been, I'm sure you guys have heard, you know, some news and controversy and stuff like that surrounding the game and some of that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about all that in another episode next week. 
Um, and we've got some big uh, movie-related news and whatnot um, that we're going to uh, just spend this episode talking about and then have uh, more or less just a Battlefront 2 review and discussion episode next week. And then we'll be pretty dang close to The Last Jedi. Um, man, I am so ready for this. This is coming up fast. I know. I think pretty dang close is actually here. <laughs> I mean, because just realizing it not too long ago, we're just two weeks away tomorrow. Just two weeks, we'll be sitting in the theaters seeing The Last Jedi. It's crazy. Wait, are you serious? I'm dead serious. Yep, we're just two weeks away. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. After next week, it's all going to be about The Last Jedi. And that week of release is going to be the toughest week of all because they're having the premiere the weekend before. People are going to be seeing it. They're going to be sharing their reactions. And it's that the stuff's going to get out. I mean, as much as Lucasfilm <laughs> wants to try to keep every, you know, surprise and reveal a secret to general audience to see the movie, it's going to be out there. So that might be the time to go full on blackout, like no Twitter, no Facebook, no nothing <laughs> to do with social media because stuff's going to come out there. And we've made it this long. Into, so I'm talking like, like the big reveals, like we found out everything about Ray's parents or heritage and stuff like that don't want to get spoiled now when we're so close so mm -hmm. it's going to be a fun but yet fun two weeks but that last week might be a little stressful <laughs> leading up to the actual premiere when everyone's going to see the movie but it's going to be fun yeah i mean man it is going to be here before we know it i can't mm -hmm. believe we're almost yeah basically two weeks away at this point um yeah i mean i didn't even realize it <laughs> maybe it's just because it was felt like just a couple days ago it was the start of this week and it was like two and a half weeks away and now it's like oh get this like two weeks from tomorrow it feels weird when it's december 15th and it's not even december yet i'm like that's not that close but no it's like it's really close yeah <laughs> um yeah man bring it on i'm so ready i finally saw thor ragnarok like a couple weeks ago and uh saw the you know the latest trailer for the last jedi on the big screen for the first time and i was like way more hyped than i thought i would be um, and that's not to say that I wasn't excited to see the trailer cause I was, but then I was just sitting there like hyperventilating, like, holy crap, what is happening? <laughs> like just, I know what you, mean. you know, that experience of like just seeing star Wars on the big screen, even when mm -hmm. it's like two minutes of it, just like seeing new star Wars footage on a movie theater screen and knowing that you're like a month away from getting to see the actual movie. And it's like, yes, I can't wait for this. <laughs> I know that was the first time I saw it on the big screen too, when I saw Thor Ragnarok on its release, its opening night, and yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, that well, the trailer is so awesome to begin with, like we talked about for four hours on our 100th episode. <laughs> so seeing all that on the big screen was just so so cool. Like you said, just knowing that we're that much closer to seeing the whole movie <laughs> in theaters, oh, that's gonna be so good. Yeah. Oh man, and I mean, you're you're totally right about that. Last week, just with the the reviews and stuff coming out but i'm gonna try to just like stay busy and keep my head down and you know just trust that next thing you know it's gonna be thursday night and i'm gonna be sitting in the theater um and you know actually watching the movie i'm not too worried about like reading spoilers and stuff i'm just gonna stay off of twitter because that's where most most people post the leaks mm -hmm. and stuff like my friends on facebook aren't going to have seen it yet um I'll probably just avoid reading reviews um, 
I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if I maybe I'm going to read like one or two. I might at least read a couple and just like skip down to the bottom and see what score they gave it. Um, or I might just like, you know, at least check the Rotten Tomato score or something like that. Or I might just skip all of that and try to go in as fresh as possible. Um, but yeah, the, the stuff that always bugs me with reviews, like I'm not worried about finding out any big spoilers like who Ray's parents are or anything like that. But it's the kind of stuff that people will tell you in reviews that's like not a huge spoiler, but like just something you wish you hadn't known going into the movie mm -hmm anyways like it just kind of lessens the experience like somebody might not say that they might not spoil in the review who Ray's parents are but they might like part of their criticism of the movie might be that that reveal happens a lot sooner than you're expecting or it's a lot more <clears throat> like it's just disappointing or it's a lot more anticlimactic than you thought it would be or something and I'm like I don't even want to know that just like <laughs> let me find out when it happens yeah and I'm even a little worried too this is mainly on the social media front like on Twitter where just by some of the people I follow and like reviewers and stuff, knowing where they stand on whether they want Ray to be, you know, a Skywalker or a solo or just this brand new character or Ray Rando, like even hearing their impressions on the film can lead me towards what it's actually going to be. Like if it's someone who really wants Ray to be a new character and they're really happy and enthusiastic about the film, it'd make me think, oh, okay, maybe she you know, is definitely going to be Ray Rando and not connected to the Skywalkers or whatnot. So even little things like that, where they not necessarily will say it, but knowing where some people's theories and, you know, lie and then the reaction towards it might play a role in hinting at what it could be too. So all that stuff's playing into me, you know, that last week of really, you know, getting off of Twitter for a week is going to be hard for me to do because I'm on that thing a lot every day. So <laughs> Yeah, doing that for a week will be hard, but it's something I might have to seriously consider doing if I really want to go in not having any inclination on stuff like that for the movie. Yeah, it might be a good thing to do. Um, yeah, that probably is what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, either way, it's just going to be here before we know it. Um, and yeah, I mean, as far as podcasting goes, I mean, we've got this episode this week. We'll do our Battlefront episode next week. And then we'll see the week after that will be the week of the movie coming out. So we might do another short little um, kind of pre-movie hype episode uh, like we did last time for The Force Awakens. Um, but uh, yeah, if not, man, you guys might have to expect another like four hour episode for a review <laughs> of this movie. Because heck, if we can spend four hours just talking about the trailer... I know, right? <laughs> you know, like, and I feel like we probably had episodes for The Force Awakens where, like, our trailer reviews might have been longer than the movie itself. Um, or, the you know, our, our reviews for the actual movie. But I think The Last Jedi is going to give us a lot more to chew on and discuss exactly, in the yeah. aftermath than The Force Awakens did. As a, uh, you know, just in terms of, like answers to big questions that we're looking forward to and new questions that are going to be introduced and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, man, it is yep. going to be a very exciting month of December to say the least. Yeah. We're definitely going to make up for the last time <laughs> between episodes this past month with December. So, Oh yeah. Grab yourselves in. Yeah, absolutely. Wild fun ride. Yeah. There's a possibility that you guys could get like three hour episodes in three consecutive weeks. I have no idea how long this is going to go. You might be looking at this right now, seeing it's like two and a half hours. I mean, like, what are you talking about? It's crazy. You know, that's crazy. 
Um, but I don't know. We'll see where we go with this because I'm sure this episode is going to hold some wild speculation in store. Um, but we will get to that shortly. Um, before we get to talking about the future of Star Wars, um, let's talk a little bit more about The Last Jedi and just sort of the the immediate future um, and just some of the stuff that's been coming out recently. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm doing it, guys. I have been ignoring, like, all the TV spots and stuff. Um, so we're not really going to go into spoilers on any of those. Um, the only TV spot that we were going to talk about is one that was, like, officially released by Lucasfilm. Um, and I think it originally aired, like, back during the World Series. That's how long yeah. it's been <laughs> since we've recorded an episode. <laughs> um but, uh, yeah, this was one that was, like, 45 seconds long called Awake. And, uh, of course, the big reveal here... Well, there were actually a couple things. The main one was just the image of Luke Skywalker in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon that had everybody going crazy, and that was really cool to see. Um, and then there's a really intriguing line from Snoke in there um, where he says something about, like, you know, darkness rises and light rises up to meet it or something like that. Um, as you're seeing images of, uh, Kylo Ren and Ray, um, which I don't know for me just sort of further stoked some of those theories and speculations about like Ray possibly being some next incarnation of the chosen one. And like maybe her whole purpose and background and whatever is that the force has chosen her to kind of be, the counterpart to Kylo Ren or to be the one to sort of finish what Anakin started and like bring the force back into balance or however that's going to work. Um, but I mean, those are just a couple of snippets in that, uh, that brief TV spot there that I thought were really cool. No. Oh, yeah. That was a great TV spot and a nice surprise too. watching the world series, just waiting for, you know, the next inning to start and then boom, we get a <laughs> unexpected last Jedi commercial and it kicks off. Like you said, with that, I'm calling it already iconic image of Luke on the Falcon again. It's just such a powerful mm -hmm. image of seeing Luke on there in the Falcon again, just taking it all in. And just, it just gave me chills watching. It was just so, so cool. So it was just a nice surprise to get. And to have that much new footage in it as well, too, which was took me by surprise when I was watching it. Because if we were talking about how once the trailer came out, yeah, we'd be okay if we didn't get it like another international trailer so close after the release of that trailer, like we've gotten a few times with the other movies and we kind of, we didn't get it. There was an international trailer, but it really was light on new footage. So uh, that's why this one, it kind of filled the gap of getting those type mm -hmm. of international trailers that have tons of new footage. Cause this one definitely had a lot of it and yeah, nothing sticks out more than that image of Luke on the Falcon again. So yeah, it was awesome. And like you said, that dialogue that Snoke uh, said about the dark side and the like, I mean, this, intriguing but yet i'm still i'm piecing together how it's going to play out where the trailer left you thinking that ray and kylo ren are somehow gonna you know join force join forces in some way i just think that's going to be happening in the movie where it's going to be they're unexpected to the characters but you know they're kind of preparing the audience for that so i know we talked about misdirections and all that but i really think that's probably going to happen hmm. so and add a little more to that and there was that cool shot of the falcon coming out of crate too which was a really cool image because we've seen the, in the trailer of it flying underground in like the crystal caves, but then in this one we see it like coming out of it. That was another cool shot. So, yeah, this was kind of like a little continuation of more great stuff from that trailer we got back in October. So, it was like a little mini version of that. It just 
not as long, but plenty of images to get you excited for. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And like you, Kyle, I kind of put myself on a blackout now for watching TV spots earlier than I expected because for some reason I feel we've been getting a lot more TV spots sooner than we normally did for The Force Awakens and Rogue One. We were getting them in like middle of November and a lot last week too, which I was kind of expecting to start, you know, probably this week and when December rolled on where it really started kicking in with more TV spots. So maybe that will be the case. We'll get a lot more than we did the other two movies in the coming of in the coming weeks leading up to the release now that we're so close to December, but I kind of had to put the brakes on it because we're just getting too much. And the majority of them did at least have like one or two new shots that weren't in there. And if we started getting more, they're going to be adding up to a lot of new footage uh, being seen. I want to, you know, kind of go in not seeing too much other than what we've got in the trailers and this last TV spot awake. So I'm like you, I'm kind of putting the brakes on it, going on blackout. The last one I did see was, one that uh, featured some new uh, dialogue and a shot of Captain Phasma. So once I knew that was in there, I had to watch it. I couldn't resist that one. But other than that, I think that's going to be it for me. So hopefully there won't be too many more released now until the movie comes out because it's hard enough already for me to (laughs) stop seeing any new commercials that I'm either seeing watching TV or that I see get posted online because that temptation is always there to watch it. But it's like, nope, got to be strong now from here on out. Yeah, you know, it's been surprisingly easier than I thought it would be. Um, Maybe just because I know that there's going to be a lot of big stuff revealed in this movie. And like, so I'm so psyched for it. But just there was so much good stuff in that last trailer. And so much that I want to still be surprised by in the movie that I haven't really been tempted to be like, oh, man, I want to watch these TV spots and see more new footage. Um, and even like you said, with the international trailer, like I I did watch that and I almost forgot about it because there were maybe yeah. like two <laughs> or three brief new shots in there. But even that, like you watched it first and then I asked you, I'm like, OK, is it like spoilery? Is there a whole lot of new stuff in there? Um, and you're like, no, I was kind of disappointed by how much new stuff was in there. And I was like, oh, well now I kind of want to check it out just out of curiosity. Um, but yeah, aside from the international trailer and this first teaser, I really haven't watched anything else since that last trailer came out. Um, I have seen a couple of TV spots just by chance. Like, I think I've maybe seen one or two, like as ads in front of YouTube videos or something like that. Um, or, um, like I don't even have cable set up in my new place right now, but I'll be like at somebody else's house and they've got the TV on or something. And, um, you know, suddenly something star Wars comes on and like my spidey senses perk up and I'm like, Ooh, star Wars. (laughs) And I start watching and then I realize it's a new TV spot and I'm like, Oh, I didn't mean to be watching that, but eh, sure. Why not? It's usually cause I like catch it in the middle of it and it just looks like the trailer. Um, because I'm at least from what I can tell, like the couple of TV spots that I have seen, it's just like recuts of the same footage. Um, So I watch it thinking it's the trailer and then realize like that either it's a lot shorter than I was expecting. And I'm like, Oh, it's just a TV spot or they throw in like a new shot and I'm like, Oh, right. I forgot. There's like a bunch of TV spots out now. Um, But I keep seeing, you know, articles and tweets and stuff where they're like, you know, new last Jedi spot, new last Jedi spot. And I'm like, yeah, that's nice movie comes out in two weeks i'm good (laughs) yeah it's it's always going to be a struggle for me when it comes to these star wars footage but (laughs) i'm doing the best that i can yeah as long as i can hold out for two more weeks yeah well uh, i'm kind of confident too where 
you know, they didn't reveal all the big stuff for The Force Awakens and Rogue One in their TV spots, but just the fact that, to me anyway, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe it is the same. It just seems like there are just more Last Jedi TV spots coming out at the same time, just earlier than I originally expected. So that's why it just feels that way where I got to stop watching them now because I think more is going to come as the closer we get to it. But at the same time, I trust Lucasfilm not to, you know, put the crazy big stuff in any of the TV spots where they are going to save the big, huge surprises and cool uh, scenes in the movies until those, you know, or those of the audience are actually seeing it for the first time while in the theater. So mm-hmm. I could, I have confidence in them at the same time. I don't want to take that chance just in case. <laughs> so yeah, it's just better if you feel that way, just so stop watching them now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I will say it's hard to remember how many they had for The Force Awakens, but I know for Rogue One, I remember seeing, you know, YouTube videos where they would number them and they were up in like the 40s or something. Um, So I know there were definitely a lot of TV spots for Rogue One, too. I don't know if they really are putting out, you know, even more than normal for The Last Jedi, but we are only a couple weeks away at this point. So I don't know, you know, how many more they can cram in there. Um, but, and of course, like we were saying, there are going to be some that have, you know, a new scene or a new line of dialogue or some more substantial new stuff. And there's going to be, you know, for each one of those, there's going to be five. That's just like a different recut of 30 seconds of the footage from the trailer. Um, so they're not all going to be, you know, big and spoilery and whatever, but, um, still, I mean, it is exciting to know just that the, uh, the excitement and the marketing is, you know, ramping up and stuff, but, um, yeah, at this point now, I'm just like, I don't want to accidentally spoil anything. And I mean, like you said, they, I think they did do a good job with the previous two movies of like not really giving anything away, um, in the TV spots. Like you had no idea, at least just from the trailers and the TV spots that like Kylo Ren was going to kill Han Solo, even though pretty much all the fans, you know, were pretty sure that Han was going to die. Um, or even, even Ray pulling the lightsaber. Ray pulling the, the lightsaber. lightsaber Kylo. Yeah, and her being the one to fight Kylo and stuff like that. Um, the Vader scene at the end of Row One, um, or you know, just sort of the the fates of all those characters and stuff like that. Um, you know that that stuff they all kind of kept under wraps. Even like Vader's castle and you know all that kind of stuff. So there mm, there definitely yeah. were still some cool surprises, but. I I want to go and watch The Last Jedi and be surprised by as much of it as possible because my excitement level is already pretty much peaked. Like, <laughs> it's not like I need to watch more stuff to get myself more hyped up. Like, all you got to do is just start talking to me about Star Wars or just show me the trailer again. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, too, it's even the little things that might not be considered big deal by some people, but to you it is, where it makes the first time seeing a movie special where you where you see a small sequence that really you know gets you and does have that cool geek out feeling when you're seeing it for the first time in the theater that might have been in a tv spot or whatnot but what yet you held off and when you see it for the first time in a movie it's going to be make it even more special so mm-hmm. sometimes just don't count out the little things that some might not even consider to be a big deal so yeah look at, i think the vader castle is a perfect example of that i mean it's a small thing. It's just the building it doesn't spoil anything. But when you put it into context of the scene and seeing it for the first time in the movie theater, that was such an awesome experience realizing, oh, wait, this is Mustafar. Oh, wait, Vader has a castle. We're going to see Vader pretty soon. <laughs> it just added up to, you know, make that sequence even more special when you see it for the first time. So, yeah, got to watch out for the little things, too. Yeah, man, that was huge. 
Um, but some little stuff we will talk about uh, with The Last Jedi. Um, they actually just did another like Entertainment Weekly cover story um, with coverage from the movie uh, like last week. And it was another one of those things where, you know, when I saw this online, I'm like, why are we doing a cover story now with new images and stuff? Like, stop trying to spoil me on stuff before the movie comes out. Um, so I will say right up front, we're going to cover, you know, a f just a few images and articles and stuff from this that are just kind of brief snippets on stuff. There's one article um, where they've got Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley and Ryan Johnson talking about the paths of Ray and Kylo Ren. And I'm just like, nope, get it away from me. <laughs> I got to be careful what I say about that, too, because I read all of it. And I will keep my mouth shut not to ruin it for you, Kyle. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming they're not going to really spoil anything about it in entertainment weekly. But even still, it, like, I've it gives got you a pretty good idea of what to expect, I think. So, oh, well, like, then I don't want to know. Exactly. So <laughs> that's why, you know, if you really want to go and freshen that aspect of those two characters. It's probably best not to read that article. You could because you could probably put two and two together for certain stuff that you read and the quotes that they give. Yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff that I don't like from articles and reviews and stuff like that. It's not when they flat out spoil stuff, but it's when they tell you enough that you're like, oh, well, you didn't say it, but I can put two and two together and now kind of figure out that this is what happens. Yeah, but I'm actually kind of surprised. That article more than most of them that, you know, it was a little more spoilery than I thought it was going to be just for those reasons that I that I said regarding, you know, those quotes from, you know, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley and Ryan Johnson. So it was surprising that especially that was one of the like, first articles they put up when they were releasing their coverage for their cover issues. So it was pretty interesting, but, but at the same time, made for a fascinating read. <laughs> well, thank you for confirming my suspicions. I am now closing that tab. Um, so yeah, if, if you guys want to read that article and dive into all the spoilerific aspects of it, uh, go right ahead. We've got a link to it on our Twitter feed and website and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, for one, am at the point now where I'm just like, I will wait till I see the movie itself to get that kind of stuff. Um, but they did release a, a pretty cool image gallery here. Um, with like eight different shots from the movie. There's one of uh, Leia and Poe. Um, got a good new shot of a close-up of uh, Admiral Haldo. Um, we've got one of Finn and Rose on Canto Bite with BB-8, um, which is interesting because I'm like, I don't know, I guess I thought BB-8 would be with Poe the whole movie, yeah. you know, helping him out with his X-Wing and stuff. But um, then again, I mean, droids are always handy-dandy on secret missions and whatnot we still don't really know what these guys are going to be up to on canto bite but uh we know you know they're going after this dj character who's supposed to be some kind of slicer or something and droids are good with technology and slicing and all that kind of stuff as long as there's one of those like little you know round r2d2 shaped data ports that happens to be on every important computer and object in all the <laughs> star wars movies but um yeah, so I could see why it would make sense to, uh, you know, have BB-8 tag along there. So I'm sure that'll make for some fun interaction. Um, we've got an always cool shot of the Millennium Falcon looking like it's probably just about to emerge from hyperspace. Either emerging from or just jumping into. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, classic ship design. How can you not love that? 
Um, we've got a cool shot here just of the camera kind of looking over Luke's shoulder as he's standing up high on a cliff on Octo looking down at uh, Ray holding a lightsaber. And it looks like this is probably right about um, when she's about to begin sort of some of that training sequence that we see in the trailer. Um, and it makes and me think too, that shot of Luke watching Ray where I wonder if this is a point in the movie where, you know, he's kind of telling her, I'm not going to train you. Your power is too scary, but she's off by herself doing her lightsaber training and whatnot. And he just goes out to look at her and maybe feels compelled to, you know, give her a little training or he, she shows him something that makes him think, well, you know, maybe I could, you know, begin her training and whatnot. It just looks like that Luke's coming in unexpectedly as he, she's training down there by herself. So I wonder if that's how it's going to play out. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that, but um, yeah, maybe Ray goes to find him and he doesn't want to train her. She's like, fine, I'll train myself and just starts, you know, doing her own kind of lightsaber drills or whatever. And um, yeah, Luke comes out and watches her and goes, you yeah, know, maybe there's something more to this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and then we've got a shot that we've seen before in the trailer, but uh, just kind of a cool still image of it here of Ray just standing in the rain with her lightsaber out. Um, and then this last one could possibly be considered kind of mild spoilers, but I think it's probably from a scene that we've already seen in the trailer. And this was one that I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And it's Ray looking like she's standing in what could be Snoke's throne room. Um, and, I mean, the focus is just on her, so you've got this blurry figure in the background behind her that very much looks like Kylo Ren. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm guessing this is probably from that same scene in the trailer where it looks like she's confronting Snoke and he's using the powers and got her, like, bent over backwards. And so um, maybe it's not just the two of them there in that confrontation, which opens up a whole slew of questions for me because then it's like did kylo capture her and bring her there is this after the scene where he's like extending his hand to her and maybe she joined him and he brought her to snoke or maybe she's like pretending to go along with him um i don't know kind of like luke i guess in return of the jedi where he surrenders to vader just to get an audience with the emperor um you know maybe ray kind of offers to join kylo ren like she wants to go after snoke and she's like okay well i i kind of know how to get to him and she finds some way to get kylo's attention is like hey remember when you said you know i needed a teacher and maybe that's how they sort of end up joining up but maybe it's just sort of a ploy by ray to you know get to snoke and maybe she's just kind of being um, you know, ambitious and headstrong and thinking, you know what, forget Luke, I'm just going to take out all the bad guys myself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, there could be a lot going on there. Um, but I don't know, the the fact that uh, she looks like she's kind of standing there defiantly with Kylo in the background behind her, and it's, at least as far as we can tell, it doesn't look like he's got his lightsaber ignited or anything. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, when I first saw this image, this is definitely the one that jumped out to me is like he said like whoa this is you know pretty interesting ray and kylo like together what looks like even if it's not snoke's throne room it's an like either a first order ship or a first order base where they're on this definitely has that look to it so yeah i started thinking and speculating about what can go down and i don't know i'm kind of thinking where like if ray goes there like she sneaks in whatever but Kylo was taken like surprised by it. like maybe he wasn't expecting her to be there 
or maybe you know it is something that they go in together to confront Snoke. I'm not sure, but kind of how I'm leaning towards. And this goes back into that shot in the trailer that we were so surprised of of seeing Snoke, you know, force paralyzing Ray and seeing her scream. I wasn't really thinking about Kylo Ren being present during that sequence, but seeing this image, I'm kind of starting to think and speculate and maybe piece together, you know, how it's going to go down. Where maybe you know he is there, um, whether Ray's there on her own or they go together. I'm kind of thinking she's going to be there on her own, but Kylo is still present there and to see what's going to go down. And I don't know, I was, this is the second movie in this new sequel trilogy. It's easy to compare it to the empire strikes back and, you know, have similarities to that. But now I'm thinking, what if this is going to have some aspects of return of the Jedi? Like what if Kylo Ren sees Snoke, you know, torturing Ray, like Palpatine was doing to Luke. And what if Kylo takes out Snoke, here in this movie and it just like goes a huge curveball to you know to what we think about the main threat and villain was going to be in episode nine what if you know that sets off a new chain of events and sets things in motion where it puts kylo and ray together you know to have them you know become partners uh master and apprentice i don't know what it's going to be but just again adding credence to that shot and dialogue in the trailer where kylo ren extends that hand to her Maybe this isn't that moment, but this sets off what's going to lead to that moment of Kylo extending his hand to Rey. And then, like I said, I speculated before, like, what if that's the last shot of the movie and it ends on that? But I just think that is going to be something at the very end. Maybe it's not the last shot, but it's going to be the one of one of the final sequences, I think. And I'm starting to maybe you know, speculate where this sequence of Rey and Kylo on this First Order ship or base and probably confronting Snoke, it's probably going to set all that up. So it's going to be interesting, but I don't know. I just couldn't help but think where maybe it's going to play out a little more like Return of the Jedi than Empire, and then just set Episode Nine up to be something totally, you know, unique in its own thing, where you can't make too many parallels if they, you know, get rid of Snoke in this movie, because I think that would be a huge twist. So yeah, a lot of speculation just on this one image with those two characters. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if I could see them doing that in terms of just killing off Snoke in this movie. Um, they could, but that would be a huge curveball. But you could possibly be onto something with Kylo turning against Snoke in this movie. Um, I will say I do think, at least just sort of the way that I'm kind of piecing it together right now, I'm thinking like the most likely scenario, just kind of based off what I can guess and what we've seen so far is that maybe that shot where Kylo's extending his hand to Rey, I think probably comes before this. Um, because I think she... I, I, And again, this is just purely a shot in the dark here based off, you know, a couple trailers and, a you know, this one image. But I could see something where she knows that he has some sort of interest in her... Um, and, you know, remembers his offer from the end of uh, The Force Awakens where he says, you know, you need a teacher and I can show you the ways of the Force. And so maybe halfway through the movie or whenever this is, you know, she decides, you know what, I'm going to go after the bad guys myself and I'm going to sort of manipulate this interest that Kylo's taken in me um, and, you know, take him up on that offer and be like, take me to Snoke. And so I think, you know, in that, uh, that shot where he's offering his hand to her, maybe that's 
I don't know, maybe they have a, a brief duel or something. And this time she says, hey, I want to join you. Um, and then he brings her before Snoke and then she reveals like, ah, oh, I just, you know, wanted to him to bring me here to find out your plan or to take you down once and for all or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, maybe she realizes Snoke is way more powerful and she's over her head and maybe Kylo does uh, end up turning against him. Like, I don't think they're here together to, like, confront Snoke together. I mean, just yeah, the fact that Kylo Ren is so too. far in the background, I think he's... It's, I think it's very much sort of like Vader bringing Luke before the Emperor. Um, and he's just kind of there as an observer to let the Master do his thing. Um, That's why I kind of think it might be, like, a surprise to him that she's there in this moment. Like, I'm here, but what are you doing here? <laughs> like, he's present here, but he, like, he has no idea what's going to go down. That could be, too. Snoke. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of get the feeling that he probably brought her there. But, yeah, I mean, that would be interesting if he's just like, oh, you summoned me supremely. What the heck? How yeah. did you get here? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Very intriguing. Uh, to say the least. I mean, yeah, even where I go back and forth on that theory that I have, or even it's the idea of them, you know, by the time the movie's over, they're, you know, joined together like as as partners and whatever they're going to do but just hearing things before and other quotes about luke and ray and how you know they're both gonna help each other you know she's gonna help luke come out of his rut and luke's gonna help her you know you know fulfill a destiny in her force training so we know that i think that's where i get, getting conflicted of what's going to go down where it looks like her we know that luke and luke's training for her is not going to get off to the best of starts but at the same time, with quotes like that, where, you know, it says that they're going to help each other, like, it looks like Luke and Ray do progress in their training and in their relationship. And if they do, does something else ha happens that throws a, like, a wrench in there that causes her to leave Luke and go do things on her own and then eventually meets up with Kylo. So, I don't know, that's, it's both good that we don't know exactly or can't pinpoint where exactly is going to go down. But at the same time, you just can't help but think of all the possibilities. So... Again, it's just good to know we only have to do this for two more weeks, <laughs> and then we'll have all the answers. <laughs> yeah, and I still can't figure, like, where is this going to be in the movie? Because it seems like some sort of final climactic confrontation, but so does the Battle of Crate. And it's like, if Rey is here in this moment, and it's, you know, the, the big epic climax of the movie, like, where's Luke? I mean, maybe he's going to bust in at the end and save her, but, like... Like, I almost get the sense that this might actually be, like, halfway through the movie or something. But then if that's the case, like, how is she going to escape Snoke and get back to Luke and the Resistance and stuff? It's just, like, I can't even fit all these pieces together. Yeah. And, I, I again, I am okay with that because I want to just go see the movie and see how they fit them together and then be like, oh, that was cool. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> I know it's good to be kind of be more in the dark than normal, I guess, than before. Because even with the Force Awakens, I think we kind of had a good idea of how things would play out from you know the trailers and mm -hmm. um, like stuff that got revealed leading up to it, and we're being so close. But this one, you, know, you can go all over the place if you wanted to to how things are going to go down. But yeah, it's good to be in this position, being so close. But we're not exactly sure. Yeah. I mean, I think really like The Force Awakens just kind of had three major locations. Um, 
and like you said just kind of seeing footage from the trailers you could kind of figure out the progression of things whereas with this movie it's like there's just it seems like there's more locations more characters more kind of moving parts that it's kind of hard to nail down um into sort of a prediction of how things are going to go yeah, we were talking about that shot of Kylo extending his hand in the trailer. We don't even know where that's at. Like, that's on a planet, a, a ship, a cruiser. I mean, who knows? We don't even know exactly where that's going to take place. So, yeah. again, just going to show where it is hard to, you know, truly put together this whole movie if we tried to do it. Maybe you could if we spent a lot of time on it, digesting everything and reading every report. But I, right now, I like the spot that I'm in where we, we have just enough to be super excited and speculate on. But still going in to be surprised and just anxious to see where they go with everything. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. I like being in the dark. This is kind of new and exciting. (laughs) Um, Well, Tim, I know you're excited about these, so why don't you go ahead and kind of give us the rundown on some of these new creatures that we're going to be seeing. Yeah, this one for what Entertainment Entertainment Weekly revealed the – first I just saw the image – of the crystal fox that we saw in the trailer and even just seeing that shot in the first trailer just got me super excited about these creatures but then entertainment weekly had a new article about it and revealed what the species is going to be called and they will be the Voltex. and boy do they look awesome i mean i'm already excited to see these creatures more in the film and they released a really cool image of uh, one of the Voltex just sitting or standing on some rocks looking to be in a cave in this dark uh this dark cave setting but yet the fox or i see i still gotta get used to calling it the bulb text i'm still calling it crystal fox but just seeing that they're illuminating with the crystal like the skin that it has and on its fur it just looks so so cool one of the most unique looking creatures in all of star wars and it looks awesome but the article does shed a little more light on you know why they're like this and what their role is going to be in the film it came from uh i believe the main uh like neil scalen from, like, from the creature shop or like uh, one of the designers on there so uh, he goes on to say that the ideas of these wonderful, like sort of feral creatures have lived on this planet and has consumed the planet's surface and as such has become crystalline and that uh, the designers took inspiration from crystal glass chandeliers and sort of, you know, elements of refraction that they create. So and it, you really get that feel when you see that image of, the, you know, the crystal on it, that's glowing yellow eyes. It just looks so, so cool. But it also mentioned how in the movie that because, you know, they're buried beneath in the planet. And it doesn't say who, but some characters, you know, might be, you know, down underneath the crystal caves of crate. We've seen the Falcon in there, but like flying through it, but maybe some actual character is going to be walking through it because it says, you know, there's going to be a, a time where like the ability of the crystals to shine in the darkness can provide, you know, a guiding light to our heroes is what uh, Scalen said there. So it looks like they're going to be kind of a guide for some characters to make it out of the you know, undergrounds of crate. So it should be cool to see them in motion. And just more of these uh, creatures, you know, just running about, helping out characters. So I just love the designs. I can't get enough of them and how they look. So hopefully they have, you know, a good amount of screen time in the actual film and, you know, could serve a cool purpose to help out certain characters. So, yeah, I just already in love with the Voltex. And just I said this before, creatures in The Last Jedi look so, so cool. I mean, the uh, I can't remember the name right now, but the horses and the horse races we're going to see and Canto Bai, they look cool. Mm. The vault tags, you know, all these creatures we're going to be getting in this movie look so, so cool. So I can't wait to see them all. But in particular, the vault tags are my favorite right now. <laughs> They're like at the top of the list of the creatures from the film. And maybe you're going to be 
pretty high up there just in all of creatures in Star Wars. I like them that much. I think they're just so, so cool. Yeah, well, I will have to say that's, I mean, just from the image they posted here, this is a really cool looking design. And obviously, um, yeah, we had seen them in the trailer and stuff before, but just getting kind of a good close up shot here with the way that like its eyes are glowing and you kind of see the light reflecting off its fur slash crystalline things that are sticking out of it. Um, And it does just, you know, look really cool and kind of has a cool sort of fantasy element to it. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited to see uh, what role they play in the film because it does sound like they're going to have a more important role in the story aside from just being some native wildlife that you just happen to see in the background on uh, crate. Um, you know, just from that description you were reading there. Um, so yeah, I think you know I'm I'm definitely excited to see. Uh, what they do with it and what role they play in the movie. I'm sure I can't be the only one out there who heard the name for the first time and thought, huh, that sounds really similar to Vulpix, which is like a fox Pokemon. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess I'm sure they're probably derived from the same, I don't know, Vulp means fox or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, at least in terms of the creature itself, I like the design of it. And it's funny because even hearing you say the name a bunch of times, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, I, still, I just got to get used to it. I'm so used to crystal foxes right now. I'm sure they're going to be referred to that a lot too. But, you know, as a, you know, any, with any new Star Wars movie, it takes a little bit to get familiar with the new names and characters and creatures that you see. But I'm sure by the time we see the movie, Vulptex will be rolling off the tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Especially if they're as cool as I'm hoping and expecting them to be what they do in the film. Yeah, and I love when they they introduce sort of these creatures with like the fantastical uh, kind of mythological or fantasy elements to them. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like the Loth Wolves and yeah. uh, Star Wars oh, Rebels man. right now and stuff like that. And we'll talk about Rebels a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is <clears throat> going to be a really cool uh you know, cool new creature in addition to just the vast zoology of Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so we've got, uh, you know, that was one of the articles they posted in there. There was also um, some new updates about uh, Admiral Haldo, um, who's, you know, the purple-haired resistance leader played by uh, Laura Dern. And this was interesting because we really haven't heard much about her character uh, to this point. I mean, we didn't see her in any of the trailers or anything, but they've got another new image of her here. Um, looking like she's, you know, standing in front of a bunch of resistance fighters. Um, and talking about sort of her relationship with Poe. Um, and basically it says uh, she enters the resistance to shake things up. Um, you have to sort of figure out whose side you're on and what your feelings are about her. Um, and that's, uh, you know, sort of Laura Dern's uh, quote there. Um and, uh, I mean, it seems like we're not supposed to know whether or not to trust her at first and that Poe Dameron, um, you know, doesn't trust her right off the bat. I don't know if they really go into detail on this in these articles, but it does kind of sound like she is either the new leader of the Resistance or kind of stepping in for Leia or kind of taking over more of a leadership role. Which is kind of leading me to think, you know, back to that scene in the trailer with... Leia on the bridge of the ship with Kylo about to fire like maybe she does get injured early in the movie and that kind of takes her out of action or puts her you know on a different path like maybe she has something else to do in the movie besides just 
being like this military leader because maybe she's you know kind of incapacitated or unfit for that role for a bit um and that's why admiral haldo has to step in but um yeah i don't know it seems like she's just kind of gonna kind of shake things up and add a little bit of friction there um just kind of run things differently than leia did and um then oscar isaac is also talking about um poe dameron and just sort of him figuring out his role in the resistance and just sort of the the big picture of it all and him not just being this like heroic ace fighter pilot but learning to be more of a leader and um doing what's best for the greater good in the long term even if it might not be sort of the most heroic action um in the here and now so um yeah it'll be definitely interesting to see sort of where they go with his character and then what the sort of dynamic and the tension and uh conflict ends up being between Poe and Haldo and Leia and uh, sort of what's going on with the inner workings of the resistance here. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to see more of Emily and Haldo in the film because I actually just finished reading the Leia Princess of Alderaan book that came out a few months ago where, you know, she, you know, it's not a main character in the book, but she has a sizable role and is with Leia a lot in there. And you pretty much see where the friendship developed at such an early age, like around age 15 or 16. And in that book, She's someone who's kind of like off in her own world a lot of times. She does things her own way. She, you know, dyes her hair a different color every day or wears these radical outfits. So, you know, by the time the book's over, her and Leia, you know, become friends and are on the same page about, you know, wanting to do more for the galaxy and take down the Empire. So it looks like they're going to have the same ideals, but, you know, she's going to be doing things a totally different way than Leia would, which, you know, is kind of hinted at the book and I can kind of see it playing out in the film and how she's being described in this article about, you know, not causing friction with Poe and some of the other members of the resistance and how she may not be, you know, the type of leader they would expect. But at the same time, given her history with Leia, um, she probably is someone who's more than capable to, you know, take over for her to lead the resistance. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I kind of hope they do reference, you know, her and Leia being old friends and, you know, being, you know, through this fight against the empire for a long time and maybe reference some of the things in the book, uh, maybe not a whole lot, but just the fact, you know, where the friendship began that was told in the Leia book would be kind of cool. So I'm definitely interested to seeing more of her than I was originally after reading that book. Cause she's definitely a different, unique type of character and seeing her in this environment with the resistance and with character like Poe and, you know, how that's even said in the article, I was going to be, you know, some frustration <laughs> about her from Poe. And how she's going to do things and wants to get things done. So looking forward to see uh, more of Admiral Holdo in this movie than originally. So should be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and one person who we know will not be in the movie, unfortunately, is uh, Lando Calrissian. Um, this is also something that, um, you know, Ryan Johnson just briefly mentioned in one of the articles here. Um, and he said, no, and I don't want fans to get their hopes up. Um, he said he's not in the film and it was never really something that came up. I mean, I love that character and it would have been fun to see him, but it's just not something that ever really had a place in the story. Um, so, I mean, yeah, at this point, I'm thinking if Lando's not in this movie, we probably won't see him at all in this trilogy, which is kind of disappointing. But I mean, at the same time, I can sort of understand where they're coming from, um, as far as just him not really having a role in the story. Like, I think you certainly could make a role for him in the story, but at the same time, I mean, he's not a major character who needs to come back. And 
you know, he definitely is someone that, like, was always kind of off doing his own thing. And so even though he became a general in the rebellion, like, I could certainly find it plausible that 30 years later, you know, if Lando is still around, he could be off on some new business venture and not necessarily all that interested in, you know, getting back entangled with the resistance and the First Order and stuff like that. Um, and obviously his relationship with Han is, you know, sort of a big part of his character and sort of how he fits in the story. And now that, you know, Han's out of the picture, it's not like Lando's going to step in and fill that role or anything like that. So, um, I mean, while I, you know, love that character and love Billy D. Williams and it would be awesome to see him again, I'm not like super disappointed that he's not going to be in the movie because they've got plenty of stuff on their plate already with Luke and Ray and Kylo and all these new characters and stuff. So, um, but that's just sort of the official word on that for anyone that was uh, still hoping to see that. Yeah, not really a huge surprise to find out he's not in episode eight. At the same time, too, there was always the possibility of maybe he'd have a surprise cameo or show up in a small sequence that, you know, they were trying to keep surprise for fans. But now we know that's not going to happen. And yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of in agreement with you where if he's not in, in it now, it might be kind of hard to put him in episode nine. I think they could do it if they wanted to. But, you know, it's probably like Ryan Johnson said here, and I imagine it might continue for episode nine where he just, you know, wasn't vital or central to the story they're trying to tell. So probably won't expect him to be in episode nine either. But, you know, there's always a possibility. I just hope it at least gets a reference by one of the characters just to know that, you know, Lando hasn't been totally forgotten in this era of Star Wars. Like if someone just wants to name drop him mm-hmm. out of whether it's Luke uh, or Leia in episode eight or, you know, depending on if Luke's going to make it to episode nine and just, or maybe just one of the new characters like Poe talking about, you know, the heroics of Lando during his time with the rebellion, something like that, just to give Lando a little shout out in this new trilogy. I think he at least deserves that much if he's not going to be in it. Yeah, I think I can just imagine him, you know, enjoying retirement at this point. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be out of character at all. He's probably just bought himself a nice ship and is off gambling somewhere. Or maybe started a puffer pig farm. <laughs> and he's just relaxing and living off his wealth of puffer pigs. <laughs> you can't relax when you're surrounded by alien balloon pigs. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when we're talking about the, the vast you know, pantheon of cool mythical creatures in the Star Wars universe, puffer pigs are not one of them. <laughs> yes, that I would agree with. <laughs> They're like the Jar Jar Binks of animals. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling Volptex would probably hunt down puffer pigs. <laughs> it would make a nice meal for the Volptex. Yeah, or they would like try to cuddle them and accidentally pop them. Because <laughs> they're spiky and made of crystal. Don't you want to see how a puffer pig would look in live action, though, just to see how they pull that off? <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Not even just a little curious? Not really. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think you have to worry about that <laughs> in any of the movies, though. So. Yeah, don't let's be hope be stuck not. to the animation. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the farting EOP in The Phantom Menace was bad enough. 
Or they could make for like a bonus round or something in a Star Wars video game where you're just like blasting puffer pigs at the sea. <laughs> oh my you know? gosh. Like, or try to like keep them up in the air like a volleyball type mini game, see how many you can bounce up without hitting the ground, something like that. And we've gone off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't even take to the end of the episode for this one. It didn't even <laughs> take an hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it kind of makes me nervous. So what's going to happen by the time we're at the end of this I one? I know, right? Yeah, how did we get to talking about an arcade game, like an arcade minigame shooting gallery of puffer pigs? <laughs> There's an idea for Battlefront DLC that nobody wants. Uh, that'll, that'll be paid DLC, too. It won't be free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they will make like zero dollars off of that. <laughs> well, they'll have my five bucks or twenty dollars. <laughs> OK, they'll make five dollars off of that. <laughs> oh, man. And I guess that's why Lando is not in the sequel trilogy. Just the risk of having puffer pigs in there is just too great. <laughs> oh, man. Poor Lando. He needs a better hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get back on track and go from talking about puffer pigs to something much more interesting. One of my favorite topics, Snoke theories. Um, this is probably the last. Well, actually, not the last. We got one more after this. But uh, one of the last uh, articles here that we'll mention from the Entertainment Weekly, um, and it's got a new image of Snoke, um, and it's actually just, you know, him back in his hologram form talking to uh, General Hux, but it's just this big, scary hologram image of his face, like on a Star Destroyer or something. Um, but pretty cool-looking shot here, and Andy Serkis had quite a bit to say about him in the article, um, and he said, this time you get to see him as in his real presence. Um, says Circus, who plays the towering Snoke via performance capture. In the previous movie, we saw him as this huge hologram and telepresence, and you get to meet him in the flesh this time. Circus describes a cruel monster, a nine-foot-tall alien humanoid who disparages and dominates his two lieutenants, Kylo Ren and General Hux. He's a predator who identifies weakness and exploits it, drawing the young and promising to his side with promises of power, then using and discarding his protégés when they are no longer of use. Circus says that much of that unhappiness will be directed at the former Ben Solo. His training of Kylo Ren is not yielding what he wants. Therefore, his anger towards Kylo Ren is intensified because he can't bear weakness in others. Part of the manipulation is goading him with Hux and playing them off against each other. The thing about Snoke is he's extremely strong with the Force, the dark side of the Force. He's terribly powerful, of course, but he is also a very vulnerable and wounded character, Circus says. He has suffered, and he has suffered injury. That way that his malevolence comes out is in reaction to that. His hatred of the Resistance is fueled by what's happened to him personally. You witness his, phys his physicality, Circus says. His body is kind of twisted up like a corkscrew, and so he has limited movement. His aggression and his anger is contained and restricted by that physicality. Revenge is only part of his motivation, and greed is another. Um, and Circus says, you know he's not afraid of showing his fineries. There's a luxury that's native to him. The way that his court is presented, he's very totalitarian in that way and flamboyant, and he kind of enjoys that theatricality, I think. Um, so I, I don't know, I, I just think he's painting a and, and picture of a very interesting villain here. Um, first of all, I mean, we had heard that Snoke was tall, that he was maybe like seven feet tall or something, but now apparently he's nine feet tall. Um, so this guy is just huge, but can't move much because of injuries and whatnot that he suffered. Um, which 
I think we could kind of figure already because of, you know, all the scarring to his face and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing that I thought was interesting here where he says, you know, talks about him suffering injury and he says the way that uh, his malevolence comes out is in his reaction to that and his hatred of the resistance is fueled by what's happened to him personally. So I'm wondering, like, is he just is he saying he's just angry because of what's happened to him personally and he's kind of channeling that towards the resistance and they're just sort of bearing the brunt of that or like did someone in the resistance or the the movement as a whole like actually have something to do with um what happened to snoke and him sort of being in the position that he's in um because i think a lot of us just sort of theorize that this guy's been around for a while um whether you think he's darth plagueis or whether you think he's some sort of ancient being or you know whatever the case may be um you know i certainly wasn't under the impression that anybody within the resistance which i mean has been around for i don't know sometime less than 30 years would have been the one to actually cause this damage to snoke unless it was possibly luke but I don't know. I, I just sort of always imagined Snoke like when he first sort of came out of the shadows and came into power that he was sort of already in the form that he is right now. Um, and so this just kind of had me questioning sort of the timeline of things and like, wait, so when did this happen to him and who did this to him and sort of what exactly is he saying here about um, who's responsible for these injuries and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm kind of thinking where maybe it's not the resistance per se, but if he is like an ancient being who's been around so long, you know, whatever was done to him, like his injuries was, you know, by an organization or a group that's pretty similar to the resistance. And maybe he's kind of seeing this as like the new version of what he's already experienced. And that's what is feeling his hatred towards that, which, you know, I kind of hope is the way they go. Cause kind of what you were saying before, where if, you know, he's just using the resistance as somewhere to push his hate towards where they haven't really done anything towards him or is not really connected to him. That would be kind of weak in my opinion. So hoping there's more of, you know, motivation factor to why he really hates the resistance as being described in this article. But I find it kind of interesting too, as far as talking about, you know, his physicality where uh, Andy Serkis says, oh, we know it's twisted up like a corkscrew and it's so damaged and he's limited in his movement. Um, it, it says his like anger is contained and restricted by that. And it just makes me think where even before we were speculating about the possibility of episode nine, we're going to see a showdown between Luke and Snoke. But as and we've even seen in the trailer where he's just sitting down using his hands to force paralyze Ray, where he's not going to be, I think, participating in any lightsaber battles in mm -hmm. episode eight or episode nine. And he's just all going to be, you know, through the force and his manipulation towards that. And again, it's, kind of making me going back to what i said earlier where the possibility of maybe snoke gets taken out in this movie where you know if he's not the real end game and going to be you know like the big bad guy who's going to have a you know a, a big sequence to do battle with luke or whatnot it, cause, because because of his limited of uh, movement and because of his injuries and his physicality well that could be a reason why maybe he just gets taken out in this film because they're not there's not much else he can do to pose as that physical threat and yeah it can kind of you know be that threat through the force but i don't know just the more i think about it and how 
much, you know, Andy Serkis and Ryan Johnson, they're saying we're not going to really learn too much about Snoke. And this movie, as far as his history, we'll just get as much as the story, you know, needs. Just makes me think that maybe he's not important as we're all speculated or thought he would be to the overall grand plot of the sequel trilogy, just as a bad guy. And I don't know, for more recently, like the last few weeks, the more I think about it, Snoke, where maybe it is possible where he's not going to be the end up being the big bad that we all thought he was going to be. He served a purpose for these first two movies, but, you know, he might be the catalyst to something new that's going to be in episode nine and the sparks Ray and Kylo Ren off on, you know, something totally different. So, yeah, the more I think about it, seeing these quotes and the less we hear about the importance of Snoke's backstory just makes me think, you know, he's not as big as a character that maybe we were all expecting for him to be. But he's going to serve his purpose well in this movie and the little we got in The Force Awakens. But maybe that's all uh, he was all meant to be in this, this, these two films. So it's going to be interesting. But right now, I, I'm not going to say it's definite. And that's where I'm leaning towards where he's going to die in this film. But it's not going to be a huge surprise to me now that I think about it. And part of me thinks it might be a cool way to go, something different. And, you know, just a set episode nine to something you know really unexpected which i think could be exciting so mm-hmm. we'll see but you know it'll be sad if that's the end of the snoke theories if this is the last <laughs> yeah. we don't get you know full information on his backstory so we'll have to wait and find out yeah i don't know man like i see what you're getting at and i do think that's definitely plausible um but I think the biggest problem is just, like, if they kill him off in Episode 8, then that just sort of leaves a power vacuum of, like, okay, well, then who's your big bad in Episode 9? Because, I mean, kind of like we were speculating about earlier, like, if Ray, like, there's a possibility that maybe Ray and Kylo could team up or maybe Kylo turns against Snoke. And especially, that kind of jumped out at me, too, in this article where, where Andy Serkis just talks about how he draws you know young and promising students to him and uses them for his own ends and then just discards them when he's done with them and uh you know han solo warned kylo ren that that's exactly what would happen in the force awakens and so you know maybe uh in this movie like you know kylo realizes like oh man my dad was right like i thought that you know, this guy had my best interests in mind, um, but he really doesn't. And, you know, how much longer am I just going to sit around and be his tool? Um, so I think, you know, if if he does end up being, you know, just more conflicted or end up, whether he makes a complete turn back to the good side or just turns against Snoke or whatever he ends up doing, then it's like, well, who's left to, to fill that sort of power vacuum, both as... Um, just from a story standpoint as like the uh, the main antagonist for the rest of the series, but then also within, you know, the First Order who leads the organization and whatnot. Because I feel like if you took out Snoke, because he seems so much higher up the totem pole than anybody else, um, it's sort of like if the Emperor died, like the whole Galactic Empire would be kind of in shambles. Um, although you still have people like Thrawn or Tarkin or whatever that could, you know, run things just sort of on a government or military level. Um, but I mean, the first, the first order does not like already have established control over the galaxy like the empire did. I mean, if you took Snoke out, they're basically just a bunch of terrorists trying to 
build, you know, planet-sized weapons and kill people just because they don't like the Republic and the Resistance. Like, they don't really have much to stand on there. Um, See, I think, too, where it could... I wouldn't mind this at all, where what if, like, the whole Resistance First Order conflict gets, you know, taken care of in The Last Jedi, and it just makes Episode Nine a more, you know, personal, character-driven story with Rey and Kylo Ren and, you know, the other main characters involved with it, and... I get to it. That would probably be hard to do because you do. It is called Star Wars, and you need those, yeah, big, you know, battles against you know, the like good forces of like a good army and a bad army, that type of stuff. But I think it would be kind of cool if, you know, it was maybe not totally done with done away with in episode nine, but just scaled down a lot where it is a more you know character driven focus on you know, uh, just the conflicts within the family and the group of characters more so than a galactic war type scale, but. I, th- I think it could be interesting, but I don't know if they'll actually go that route. Yeah, see, I feel like you need both of those elements. Because like you said, it's called Star Wars, but at the same time, I mean, it's not a war movie in space. I mean, I think the part of why Star Wars has endured for so long and part of why s- people still love it and relate to it is that, you know, it's the character drama and the family drama and all that kind of stuff that's set against the backdrop of these huge galactic wars and conflicts and stuff. And so I think if you take away either of those elements, um, then, you know, you kind of lose a little bit of the essence of like what Star Wars is. Um, Because sure, I mean, I would love to see, you know, just sort of a character driven um, you know, sort of more intimate story. But, I mean, that's something that I think would be really cool for them to do, like, in um, one of the standalone films. Um, but, and, I mean, I think we're even going to get a lot of that in The Last Jedi, just sort of more, um, you know, just sort of the more introspective, like, deep character development type stuff. But you're still going to get the epic battles and, uh, you know, space dogfights and all that kind of stuff, too. And, you know, I mean, that's all of that is the stuff that people love about Star Wars. So I kind of want to still see all of that all rolled in there. Um, so I definitely don't think this movie is going to be the end of that whole conflict. Um, but I don't know. We'll see because we have to see sort of where the whole thing ends up um, by the end of it with. I mean, we know that both the Resistance and the First Order are going to be sort of in different situations in this movie than they were in the last movie. And we know there's going to be at least one a big battle that, you know, potentially could change the whole dynamic of that conflict, depending on how that battle pans out. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, you know, what happens. I mean, one thing that actually did come to mind as far as where they could kind of shift the focus, if they did get rid of Snoke in this movie, um, episode nine it could be all about the knights of ren and they could maybe be Ah, sort of the the main bad guys because (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're apparently still out there somewhere Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know it's i i think it's too much for me at this point to call that like oh yeah snoke's totally a goner in this movie and i think they had said um and maybe i'm misremembering but i thought they did say or at least kind of hint at that they were saving more of his backstory for episode nine um i wouldn't take that as absolute confirmation that he's going to survive until episode nine but um, they talked about you know revealing a lot of information and answering a lot of questions in this movie but still wanting to save some stuff for episode nine and i just kind of got the impression that um you know snoke's backstory and sort of more insight into his character was going to be 
one of the things that they're saving for episode nine and the focus was going to be more on Ray for this movie. But, um, yeah, I don't know. As always, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, but to add on to that, um, we'll come back to Entertainment Weekly in a second, but um, they're also doing some Star Wars coverage in uh, the current issue of Empire Magazine right now. Um, and they released a similar kind of blurb with Andy Serkis talking about Snoke. Um, and this one's shorter, but it's a little more, this, this just gives a little more insight and I thought it was kind of a good companion piece to the last article. Um, he says, Snoke is bloody dark, way darker than Palpatine. He's riddled with this osteoporosis, so his body's twisted like a corkscrew. He's incredibly damaged, so there's a bizarre vulnerability about him. Beneath that vulnerability, though, is this intense hatred. He's definitely not a Sith, but he's certainly at the darker end of the Force. Without giving too much away, that begins to unfold a little in this one. Um, so it seems like, you know, even if we might not get full, you know, shedding of light into uh, Snoke and his history and motivations and whatnot in this movie, it seems like we are going to start to uh, unravel some of that stuff in this one. Um, but yeah, there's some more interesting tidbits here where he says, you know, he's even dark or he says he's way darker than palpatine which yeah that was a surprise <laughs> is kind of hard to fathom because I mean, palpatine is just pure evil like he's one of those bad guys who like almost shouldn't be a good villain because he has like no really like redeeming qualities or no like internal conflicts like you don't really know what makes him tick like he's just pure evil like, nobody's trying to redeem him. There's never a question of, like, is he good or is he bad? Like, he's just bad, bad. But he's one of those characters that's just so, sort of, I like to say, just sort of, you know, deliciously evil with the, you know, just the cackle <laughs> yeah. and the voice and the dark side of the force that is just so much fun to watch. Um, but he's just, uh, you know, he's, well, he's dark just in the sense that he's pure evil but i can kind of see what andy circus is saying here that snoke might be darker in the sense that like i don't know just in terms of getting more into his motivations but also the fact that he's so sort of physically broken and um he's talking about this vulnerability that maybe you'll you know get a little bit more insight into snoke's backstory than we ever did with palpatine in the movies and sort of realize why he's doing this and maybe go oh whoa that's dark like you know they just got deep right there or this guy is really messed up as opposed to just being like oh well he's the bad guy and he's super evil but he's a you know fun evil bad guy who's you know just this mastermind and let's just see how the heroes outsmart him um like i'm really looking forward to sort of finding out what makes snoke tick and that's something that we never really got with palpatine and never really needed i guess mm -hmm. um but i i think it's going to be really interesting to find out um what they end up doing here with snoke yeah i mean hearing that that he's way darker than palpatine just made me think man uh, <laughs> what but brought to mind that again that sequence in the trailer of him just you know using the force against ray like that just the tip of the iceberg of what we're gonna see him do to her i mean we're gonna see like his darkness really come out during that sequence so yeah it just made it you know just more fascinating to see you know what actually he's gonna do in the last jedi when 
we hear Andy Serkis describe him as way darker than Palpatine. Like that, that was a surprise to read. I got to be honest. I wasn't expecting him to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now just because I have to kind of poke and prod and stoke the fires a little bit, let's talk about the Plagueis theory for a second. <laughs> it's been because a while. <laughs> he does clearly say here he's definitely not a Sith. Darth Vader is also definitely not a Jedi, but Anakin Skywalker used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like, I don't know. I can't help but see, like, in everything else that they're talking about here where they're talking about him being so sort of steeped in the dark side and he's super powerful and malevolent and everything, but he's also vulnerable because he's suffered this injury and he's got this vulnerability to him. I'm like, all of that stuff totally would fit the profile of somebody who was super powerful and had all these plans and then his apprentice betrayed him but he was able to barely survive and had to hold on in the shadows for all these years hey kind of like darth maul in clone wars where you know it could be like he just his his hatred fueled him and kept him alive this whole time until he was finally able to make his return and he's just you know his body's all broken and everything but he's still um you know, alive and kicking and, and just holding on to that hatred and anger and has still so much dark power at his potential or, you know, at his uh, disposal, rather. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I know some people out there are maybe nodding in agreement and some people are probably going, man, you're crazy. And I've said this from the beginning, like, I'm not, I, I'm not predicting that Snoke will be, Darth Plagueis I kind of want it to happen just because I think it would be really cool but if he ends up being a completely new character I'm totally fine with that too I just I want him to be a good character I want him to be interesting and I'm just excited to find out one way or the other what the deal is with him but the the Plagueis theory is just one of those things that I can never rule out like We've heard people say he's a new character and stuff like that. We still have, I don't think anyone has ever come out and flat out denied that he's Darth Plagueis, which, I mean, why would you? Because you want to let the fans keep speculating. And it's like, if that's throwing us off the scent of, you know, the real answer here, then, you know, fine. But um, I don't know. It's just one of those things for me that, you know, it's like the, the rumor that won't die. And I just... I don't know. I enjoy talking about it and speculating about it. And if it ends up being true, awesome. If not, fine. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, I just think it's, you know, one of those fun things. It's one of my favorite things to just speculate and go off on tangents about. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the same thing where, yeah, I think it would add a lot to his backstory if he was playing. But at the same time, probably shouldn't expect it and it could be something better we don't know so we just gotta wait to see what they do with the character but it's fun nonetheless and i agree with you what this article where it says he's not a sith doesn't necessarily rule that out either because you're exactly right of making that comparison with anakin being the jedi but darth vader is not i if it is Plagueis, i would totally expect him not to try to bring back the rule of two in the ways of the sith knowing what happened to him and how it pretty much failed him but and trying to do things better than that and it would kind of be a nice parallel to luke too where you know he says it's time for the jedi to end and snoke if he is Plagueis, knows that you know the sith don't need to come back 
in this new generation and you know trying to fulfill the will of the force in their own way so i definitely didn't rule it out and i'm with you this that theory won't die until we specifically get confirmations something is said in the actual movie on what snoke's history is until then let the theories continue absolutely um all right well and then the last thing um just that we wanted to touch on from the entertainment weekly um they had an article where uh, mark hamill and ryan johnson talk about luke and leia in the last jedi and just sort of their connection and the strong bond that they share and um i'm not even gonna like read this one word for word but basically the gist of it um again they're talking about sort of just the importance of family and the fact that um luke has kind of lost his way and he's kind of um i don't know looking for something to hold on to almost and they're kind of hinting at the fact that Leia might be the one to finally provide that for him. Um, they also don't confirm in here that um, Luke and Leia will actually meet in the movie. Um, they don't say one way or the other. But, um, I mean, I know we're all hoping that we get to see that since it'll be, you know, the last time that we would get to see those two characters on screen together. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just I think that's going to be one really important aspect of the movie, whether it's them actually meeting in person or just talking or thinking about each other or you know communicating or even just sensing each other's presence like through the force or what have you um i think that's gonna be you know probably not like a main focus of the movie but just something that's gonna lead to some really sort of pivotal emotional moments in the story no yeah i totally agree and i just like the idea of you know luke kind of being lost in this period of in this period of his life and you know trying to train Ray, and if that doesn't go so well, and then Leia is the person he turns to for help and to, you know, kind of get him back into the way he was before. So I, I think it's going to be a combination of, you know, both Ray and Leia, you know, helping Luke get back to, you know, where he was by the time we last saw him in Return of the Jedi. And I know this article says it doesn't confirm if they're going to have a scene together, but I got to be honest, I'll be really shocked if they don't get a scene together in this movie because it just... We've heard quotes from Ryan Johnson before about how, you know, um, watching the cut of the movie, how it ended up having an emotional impact and kind of, you know, a nice uh, conclusion to Carrie Fisher's performance as Leia in this film. And to me, I think I've said this before, where nothing would be more appropriate and give you that emotional conclusion than, you know, Leia and Luke together again. And I just strongly believe that that's where we're going to get in this movie. They're going to be together and there's probably not going to be a dry eye in the theater when that happens, because <laughs> I really think it's probably going to be one of one of, or if not the most emotional moment in the movie, if they're reunited together again. So yeah, I just think it's going to happen. And some of the way they're describing the story points and how connected they are and the bond they share, just, you know, it just has to happen. Like why would they go on to talk about their relationship and, you know, how important it is. And then, because you know, you think that would be going on to his head when going to the story, but yet not have him, you know, come face to face again after everything that happened in The Force Awakens of her trying to find him, losing Han. This seems like a natural progression of the story and for those two characters to come together in this movie and see each other again. Mm -hmm. So I think a Force vision would be cool and nice, but I don't know, in this case, especially with Carrie Fisher no longer being with us and this, her, this being her last movie, it it would really not be as impactful, I think, unless they were actually, you know, together once again in the flesh. So 
I, I'm expecting it to happen, and I got to say, I'll be disappointed if it doesn't. But it's yeah. something that I'm sure you know it's going to be really well handled by in the final edit once we see the movie and once we see where these two characters end up by the time it's over. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and obviously, I mean, we've got the benefit of hindsight now. Like, I'm sure if they don't end up meeting in the movie, then you know, Ryan Johnson's probably kicking himself now for not making that happen but obviously you know unfortunately no one you know could have foreseen what was going to happen with carrie fisher or anything like that um but yeah i mean i i think like you said i mean even if they don't meet in the flesh there's going to be some kind of emotional moment there but um yeah obviously in a perfect world we'd love to see you know just one last face-to-face meeting between those two characters um one other thing we should mention too um and i think we had talked about this a while ago like it was on yahoo or fandango or something but like now i guess it's officially confirmed by ryan johnson that the last jedi is going to be the longest star wars movie ever um clocking in at exactly two and a half hours um so there's certainly plenty of room in the movie for a lot of this stuff that we're speculating about and wanting to see happen for that to uh, be able to have a place in there I think it's awesome that this is going to be two and a half hours. I mean, I've been clamoring for a three-hour Star Wars movie, and this is, you know, a nice, you know, first step to getting towards that. Two and a half hours, I'm more than okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, any longer than that, and you worry that, like, some people are going to complain about it being too long? I never would. I mean, yeah, like you. I mean, heck, if we can sit here and talk about Star Wars for four hours, you bet I can watch it yeah. for that long. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... You know, I mean, people start complaining about like, oh, is it too long? Is it too drawn out? You know, I mean, I think general audiences, you know, two and a half hours is kind of the limit. And that's pushing it on certain movies. But um, yeah, anytime, you know, if was, I think maybe The Force Awakens was like two hours and 10 minutes or something like that. And I was like, really, that's it? Like, take a few more deleted scenes and put them back in. Make it like 215, <laughs> 220, something like that. Um, I want as much Star Wars as we can get. So uh yeah two and a half hours bring it on my butt's not going to be sore by the end no way (laughs) i know if anything it's not even going to feel like two and a half hours they're probably going to be saying it's over already i thought it was two and a half hours (laughs) yeah well and here's the thing too i'm pretty sure and i've learned this with movie runtimes i think that it's two and a half hours including the credits which for a movie as big as star wars with as many like visual effects people and stuff as they have i mean the credits could be like 10 minutes or more um you know and i think i've noticed that even watching uh like rogue one and the force awakens it's like the you know the movie really ends like 10 minutes before you know what it says the runtime of the movie is so um really we're probably getting like 215 220 of actual story time which is still a really good you know nice long chunk of star wars movie so exactly, i'm happy with yeah. that <laughs> Either way, it's the longest Star Wars movie ever, which is awesome. Yeah. No complaints from me about that one. Um, All right. Well, that's the scoop on episode eight, just a couple weeks away. Um, Now let's turn to the future of Star Wars. Um, You know, recently, of course, we got the announcement that J.J. Abrams is coming back to direct episode nine, and I think you and I, along with a lot of other fans, were probably slightly disappointed that Ryan Johnson wasn't coming back to direct it because just 
all signs that we've gotten so far point to very good things from The Last Jedi. I mean, there haven't been any, obviously, no reports of, like, changing writers or directors being fired or Lucasfilm wanting to, you know, do last-minute reshoots to save the movie or anything like that. Um, I mean, we haven't heard any reviews yet, or, you know, obviously none of us have seen the movie, but just... I mean, for me, all signs are looking positive, and I was like, man, we haven't even seen the movie yet, but I would already love to have this guy come back and do another Star Wars movie. Well, turns out we're in luck, because he's coming back to do another three. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, this news is, like, almost a month old now by this point, but still... Um, you know, I, I remember just what a huge surprise it was and how much sort of just frenzy there was around the internet when we got the announcement that Ryan Johnson is going to be overseeing an entire new Star Wars trilogy. Um, and we had been hearing for a while, you know, just reports and rumors and stuff from like Kathleen Kennedy and people at Lucasfilm talking about the direction that they want to go um, with the Star Wars movies after episode nine and do they want to keep the Skywalker saga going? Um, do they want to like take a break before coming back for episode, you know, doing 10, 11, 12 or whatever they're going to do. Um, so it seems like they kind of found their answer here with, um, and we don't know any story details or anything yet, but we do know that this trilogy directed by Ryan Johnson is going to be separate from the Skywalker saga um and is going to uh it says we'll introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that star wars lore has never before explored so i think this is super exciting um and i think it's probably safe to assume i don't think they announced it here in the press release and i'll just read the whole thing in a second um i don't think they announced a release date for it but i'm assuming that this is just gonna continue like every two years after episode nine um that you know they'll keep doing the saw the uh the spin-off movies like every two years and that uh this trilogy will release every two years and just take the place of um you know episode seven eight and nine at least for the time being and then i don't know maybe after that we'll come back to episode 10 or you know we'll see what they do after that but um so i'll just read the press release here on starwars.com um, it says, Ryan Johnson, writer-director of Star Wars The Last Jedi to create all-new Star Wars trilogy. Um, for director Ryan Johnson, Star Wars The Last Jedi was just the beginning of his journey in a galaxy far, far away. Lucasfilm is excited to announce that Johnson will create a brand new Star Wars trilogy, the first of which he is also set to write and direct with longtime co collaborator Ram Bergman on board to produce. As writer-director of The Last Jedi, Johnson conceived and realized a powerful film of which Lucasfilm and Disney are immensely proud. In shepherding this new trilogy, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. Uh, we all loved working with Ryan on The Last Jedi, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. He's a creative force, and watching him craft The Last Jedi from start to finish was one of the great joys of my career. Ryan will do amazing things with the blank canvas of this new trilogy. We had the time of our lives collaborating with Lucasfilm and Disney on The Last Jedi, Johnson and Bergman said in a joint statement. Star Wars is the greatest modern mythology, and we feel very lucky to have contributed to it. We can't wait to continue with this new series of films. Um, 
And then at the bottom here, they say Johnson's upcoming Star Wars The Last Jedi arrives in theaters on December 15th. No release dates have been set for the new films and no porgs were available for comment. <laughs> um, but man, wow, what a shock this was and yep. a very pleasant surprise because again, you know, I'm all for J.J. Abrams coming back to direct episode nine, but I was you know, kind of bummed. I wanted to see more Star Wars from Ryan Johnson, and now we're getting way more than I ever thought we would be getting. So, oh um, man, she's talking about some out of the blue, but so exciting at the same time, where it's like, you can kind of have to stop yourself, like, wait, what? Did this really just happened? <laughs> like, this just sounds so crazy, but yet so, so exciting. Because, yeah, like you said, we now know why he's not doing episode nine. And <laughs> you kind of played coy about it when it was asked you know just saying now you know i'm not going to do episode nine but yet not giving any hints about continuing on further with lucasfilm or doing anything else in the star wars galaxy but yet he's probably just you know thinking to himself oh if only if they knew what (laughs) what's going on or what we're planning right now but yeah it's definitely great news to get not only we're just getting a new trilogy but i personally think it's the perfect scenario for Lucasfilm going forward with new Star Wars movies because as you mentioned after episode 9 we were kind of wondering what they were going to do we knew they had meetings earlier this year about you know what do they wanted to do beyond episode 9 and now we got our answer and I think it's perfect because after episode 9 now here's the thing we know it hasn't been officially announced yet but we've heard reports about the Obi-Wan movie kind of being probably the next standalone film to come out after Solo and if I were to guess I would think that after episode nine, we probably would get the Obi-Wan film in 2020. Mm -hmm. And then probably in 2021 is where we'll get the first of Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. And I totally agree with you how it's pretty much going to be what we got with the sequel trilogy with seven, eight and nine, where we'll get one move, one year, one year with Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Then we'll get a standalone. Then back to Ryan Johnson's trilogy, a standalone, then back to the conclusion of Ryan Johnson's trilogy. You know, that of, be a nice gap of star wars films without you know continuing with episodes 10 11 and 12 and i know this isn't you know they haven't confirmed one way or another they're probably still deciding if they are going to do anything with the skywalker saga with episodes 10 11 and 12 but um i'm not see i always like to think it would be nice to have a 10-year gap between you know episode 9 and they're going to do an episode 10 but maybe they could do this trilogy set of standalone films if they wanted to maybe, you know, go a year or two without, you know, doing any Star Wars movies for a year and then maybe get the ball rolling again for, you know, episodes 10, 11 and 12 if they want to go that route to kind of fill out that 10 year gap. That would be my ideal scenario. But just the fact that uh, we got, you know, at least, you know, six, five to six years of new Star Wars movies down the pipe that, you know, aren't going to be the Star Wars saga episodes, but yet something brand new, a trilogy that's you know, going to be its self-contained story and establish new characters that hopefully we'll be invested in and be so excited about this trilogy and then bounce that off with standalone movies, maybe with, you know, familiar characters, new characters like we got with Rogue One. It's just, you know, going to be an exciting time of not knowing what we're going to get. But once we do get established in this new trilogy, hopefully it'll be something to be excited for once we get to the sequels for this trilogy and also the standalone film. So I couldn't be more excited. And just, I think Lucasfilm is doing a great job of, you know, filling out that unknown territory of Star Wars uh, films that we didn't know what we're going to get after episode nine. I think this is the perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, you think, man, that's great news. We're going to be getting a lot of Star Wars content for the next several years and well into the future, and we should be all good and set with that, right? I mean, we've got animated series, we've got video games, we've got books, comics, lots of movies. Sounds good, right? Well, nah, here, have some more, because we're also getting a live-action Star Wars TV series <laughs> oh, um, launching around the same time when uh, Disney is going to be starting their own online streaming service in 2019. Um, and this is something that we've kind of been hearing about for a while as far as just the streaming service. Um, there have been reports that, you know, Disney is wanting to do their own thing, that they're going to start pulling, like, Star Wars and Marvel titles off of Netflix, um, and that Disney is going to have their own streaming service, which will basically be like a Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or whatever. But we'll just have all Disney properties on there. Um, but of course, nowadays, like if you want to have a successful streaming service, you can't just have existing titles that are on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff and have them available for streaming. You also have to produce your own original content because, you know, that's what's making, you know, big bucks for like Netflix with Stranger Things and all that kind of stuff. Um, so obviously what bigger name to go with than Star Wars? Um, and so, um, yeah, it says, uh, here, let me read the report here. Well, the streaming service launches in 2019. They don't specifically say that the series is going to be launching in 2019. Um, but man, what a way to get people to subscribe to that right off the bat with the new star wars show yeah for you would real, think man. ideally they wanted to launch with it but we'll see if that happens yeah and they said uh they don't you know they haven't announced a price for the streaming service yet but the plan is uh you know they're going to try to offer it for less than the price of netflix which just raised their prices to 11 dollars a month um so yeah, I mean, whatever that price is, you know, if it's 10 bucks a month or less and there's original Star Wars content on there, you better believe I'm going to subscribe. If not from day one, then definitely, uh, you know, once the uh, the Star Wars series becomes available on there. Um, plus, you know, you're going to have, um, I'm sure they're going to take Clone Wars off of Netflix and put that on there. Hopefully have Rebels up there too. Um, and, you know, along with, hey maybe they'll finally bring all the star wars movies onto there although i guess since episodes one through six i don't know if fox still has the rights to those i don't know how that all works but it would be nice if they could you know just have all the movies available on there not well, that we don't already have plenty of dvd and blu-ray copies of them anyways but and plus they're in talks to you know buying the movie like studios of fox to I mean, if that was still an issue, if they that deal does go through where they own, you know, Fox Studios for the movies, they'd get a new hope back with no problem. That is put it on there. very true. I also wonder, too, where if, you know, they we do get the announcement of the new Star Wars animated series, if that will be an exclusive to it or if they'd still want to have Star Wars on, you know, a normal TV broadcast, you know, outlet to those who don't have the subscription service to have Star Wars still out there. For those who just have cable TV, I would kind of think that's probably the way they would go. But it is another option if they wanted to to put this new animated series exclusively on the streaming service as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but like you said, just with one new series is oh, I was probably gonna buy it regardless if they had the new <laughs> series on there. But now it's just like a no brainer to get a subscription for this service. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I 
I don't know for sure if I'm going to like subscribe from day one, just because, I mean, obviously I've got all the Star Wars movies and stuff already. Um, but as soon as there's some exclusive new Star Wars content on there, you better believe they can just shut up and take my galactic credits. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, now the question is, with Ryan Johnson's trilogy and this TV series, the fun part, what are they going to be about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Time for story pitches. Um, so here's my biggest prediction. Um, I think the Ryan Johnson trilogy is going to be set like way, way back before the main Skywalker saga. And this isn't just the KOTOR fanboy and me saying, I want to see a movie <laughs> about Darth Revan. I think this would make a lot of sense because one of the biggest things that I'm looking forward to in the last Jedi is, um, you know, we know that there's going to be some new mythology and stuff introduced about like the history of the Jedi order and the force and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, back in one of the earlier stories like over the summer either from entertainment weekly or variety or somebody like that um you know ryan johnson was talking about that and said like you know it's definitely gonna be a part of the movie and there's gonna be you know some new stuff introduced but that's not like the whole focus of it so don't expect a whole like jedi history lesson or anything like that so make episode eight focus on the characters you need to focus on with you know ray and luke and get all the important stuff out of the way then make your whole new trilogy and give us a jedi history lesson um i think it would be cool to and obviously i mean you still got to create relatable characters and, and a central conflict and stuff and i'm not saying this is just going to be like a, a national geographic you know, documentary about <laughs> octo from a thousand years ago but um no, I would love to see just some concepts hinted at and introduced in this movie and maybe even a brief mention of maybe a character or a conflict or something that was like central to that era, um, you know, that Luke has studied or learned something from in this day and age. And I mean, whether that be... a you know, previously existing character like Darth Revan or Darth Bane or the Mandalorian Wars or something like that, or some completely new character or conflict or storyline or something like that. Um, like, I think it would be really cool to have that just introduced in The Last Jedi and then have a whole trilogy that fully explores all of that. Um, I think that would be really cool. And it would be a cool way to have a trilogy that sort of still ties into the Skywalker saga, but at the same time can carve out its own space and be completely separate and kind of be like a huge chunk of sort of backstory and just sort of mythology and world building for the Star Wars saga that we already know and love, while at the same time also introducing its own new interesting characters and locations and storylines and just sort of you know be its own thing um you know at the same time um so i could be wrong i mean they could have ryan johnson making a trilogy about obi-wan or boba fett or you know something like that um in fact i think i don't know if this was just like fan speculation or an actual 
rumor that we had heard going around a while ago, but remember there's been talk about them creating not just an Obi-Wan standalone movie, but a whole trilogy of them. Um, yeah, that was a rumor a few years ago, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe that's what they've got him working on, but I think for well, me right now, I think the thing that would make the most sense and the thing that I most want to see is take the opportunity to, you know, let him introduce some new elements of lore and mythology in The Last Jedi and then expand on that over a whole completely new trilogy. Yeah, and I think, you know, I got to remember, even as I try to speculate on certain things, where it says it's going to be like a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before been explored. So I think that kind of rules out any familiar characters, whether it's Obi-Wan or Boba Fett or whatnot, because it's going to be something that's totally different with new characters and all that. But originally, when I first heard this, I thought, you know, maybe it's going to be something that's going to continue on the sequel era of Star Wars, that era, depending on what episode end nine or episode nine ends. Um, but at the same time, thinking about that, it's going to be, you know, a corner of the galaxy that has never been ex- before been explored. So maybe it's not going to be quite during that time period, but maybe it's going to be something like way in the future of considering where the galaxy goes from there. But I'm kind of leaning more towards where you're thinking of. I think it would be truly, truly awesome if we finally get the definitive origin of the Force and the Jedi. I would that's probably at the top of my wish list for this trilogy, to be honest. And I totally agree where I think there's probably going to be a little tease or a hint in episode eight, whether it's, you know, something Luke tells Ray on Octu or in one of those books they're looking through or a vision that Ray and Luke have. I think we're going to get a tease of some, you know, new revelation about the force or a new character. And it's going to, we're just going to tease and then we'll expand upon it in this trilogy. Cause I don't know. It makes me think of how this all took place for Ryan Johnson to be in charge of creating this new trilogy. Was it something that Lucasfilm went to Ryan about? Like, hey, we're got this idea to, you know, continue on with Star Wars movies after episode nine, but not be part of the main saga. Or did Ryan Johnson go to Lucasfilm and goes, hey, while writing episode eight and adding this little history here, I just got a great idea to expand this into a new trilogy of films. And I think it would be cool if we do this. And Lucasfilm just said, yeah, that sounds great. And let's go ahead and do that. I kind of hoping that's what springboarded this whole thing, just because you know, just get the more creative juices flowing where you know, it's truly coming from the desire of Ryan Johnson to wanting to tell the story because he thought it was just so intriguing, so good, he just has to tell it. And those usually make for the better, better films when you just have someone so eager to tell a story. And if that's the case, that would be great. But I just really hope, and I just think it'd be really cool to finally get that definitive story about the Force and the Jedi and. You know, there's always some out there who don't like, you know, the mystery of things to fully be revealed. I'm not one of those people. I've said that before. Like, uh, that's why I'm a big fan of Boba Fett's origin story of him being the first clone and all that. I love that. The more I know about a character, I think the better. That's just my opinion. And I just think that could be even more so with the Force because I've just always been dying to know the history of it and who was, you know, the first ones to establish the Jedi Order or to recognize the Force. And it might not even be both. It could be something where we get the history of the Force, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the first Jedi. Or maybe we won't get the history of the origin of the Force, but we'll get the history and origin of the Jedi and how they first uh, came about and who was the first Jedi and all that. So there's just potential for so much cool stuff with that. And I, man, <laughs> I just, the possibilities are endless and the potential for what it could be. And I hope I'm not 
setting myself up for disappointment if it's something totally different than not to deal with the Force or the Jedi, but because that's kind of where my heart's set on right now, and it probably shouldn't be because anything's possible in this new trilogy, as the press release said, or Kathleen Kennedy said, actually, it's just a clean slate so Ryan Johnson can do whatever he wants in there, and maybe he doesn't want to expand on the Force and the Jedi at all. He does something just totally different that just, you know, going to be so unexpected that, you know, it's going to blow all our minds once we see it. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to be one or the other, personally. What I really want to see with it being with the Force and the Jedi or just something totally different that we don't see coming, but yet hopefully it could be something that just, you know, fits right into the rest of Star Wars, but being something totally new and different and unique, which would be great too. So uh, I'm excited to see what it is, but kind of hoping it deals with the Force and the Jedi because the stuff we've been you know, speculating on and the little hints and teases we're getting in The Last Jedi and what it can mean for the Force, that just might whet our, whet our appetites even more so to learn more about that and what a perfect way to satisfy those appetites with a new trilogy of films from the director and writer for the movie that laid it all out and just to expand mm-hmm. on it I think would be great. So here's hoping for that. But again, regardless, I just think it's a great move on Lucasfilm to continue with Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I know it's kind of crazy to say this and giving all this praise to Ryan Johnson when we haven't even seen The Last Jedi yet, but <laughs> all signs are pointing to that it's going to be, you know, he's going to be uh, worthy of receiving those, you know, acclaims and praise that we're giving right now. Hopefully they're going to be warranted. I will be shocked if they're not, but it's, you know, I personally think also this is a great sign for The Last Jedi because Lucasfilm made this announcement before the movie and came out. That's how confident they are with the last jedi and just how you know they think it's gonna you know do exactly what they're expecting to do and you know and hopefully fans react to it the same way they do as well to you know hopefully not you know regret this decision from not lucasfilm regretting it but fans i guess being disappointed with this news after they see the last jedi if they really didn't like it so i just think that's probably not going to be the case but it just shows that Lucasfilm isn't even worried about that happening. They just love working with Ryan Johnson so much and love the movie he delivered that they're not going to wait to see, you know, how The Last Jedi does. I mean, they just got that much confidence in him. Not only bodes well for this new trilogy, but for episode eight as well. So, yeah, just, I think, great news all around. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, we haven't seen the movie yet, but they have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, yeah, I guess there probably are people at Lucasfilm who have seen the finished cut by now because, I mean, they finished the movie like a month or two ago. Yeah. Um, but even aside from that, you know, they've seen the dailies. They've seen, you know, the rough cuts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they said, you know, right here in the press release that, like, he's crafted a movie that they're incredibly, pl- incredibly proud of. Um, and, you know, I don't think that's just, you know, them blowing smoke and you know trying to make him sound good because obviously like the proof is in the pudding like they're not just saying that they trust him they're obviously putting their money where their mouth is by letting him take control of an entire new uh star wars trilogy and they only um mentioned that he's writing and directing the first movie of the trilogy um so i think you know the like obviously he's maybe not committed at this point to directing all three of them but i also wouldn't take that as confirmation that he's not Mm -hmm. um you know they maybe probably just want to kind of see how it goes like maybe he's got somebody else in mind that he wants to let you know write or direct one of the other two movies but i mean basically he gets to be the george lucas of this trilogy which is pretty awesome (laughs) because it says he's 
in sort of creating and overseeing this entire trilogy and whether or not he's uh directly like uh responsible for writing and or directing each one of these movies he's still going to be overseeing the development of the entire thing and um sort of guiding the story um i would imagine that even if he doesn't direct all three movies i would bet he'll probably write all three of them um unless for some specific reason he really feels the need to like step away and take a break or something like that um i would think he would at least write or like co-write them or you know, at the very least be, you know, giving a lot of story guidance to whoever is, uh, you know, writing a different one. But I think he could definitely, um, you know, just write the entire trilogy and, uh, you know, just sort of be guiding it where he wants it to go. But man, I'm just, uh, I'm super excited to see what they do with this. Um, you know, especially since, to... since it's an entire trilogy, just the, the possibilities of what they can do are so endless i mean i'm kind of thinking about just what they could fit in one movie but just the the stories and the characters and the mythology that you can spread out over an entire trilogy um is just you know there's so much they can do there yeah i mean we were talking about him possibly you know writing and directing the other two it just made me think of how you know ryan johnson has been saying for the last jedi how you know there wasn't a mapped out story plan for this trilogy where he picked up right where episode seven left off and was free to do pretty much whatever he wanted to. And now JJ is going to do that for episode nine without, you know, I mean, there's going to be little things. I, I have a hard time believing that they didn't have anything planned and mapped out for this trilogy, but for the most part, it's all whoever's writing the next movie. I don't think that's going to be the case with this trilogy by Ryan Johnson. I think going into it, he's going to map out what this trilogy is going to begin with and then end with too, regardless if he's directing them and writing all of them or not. I think there's going to be a grand you know, plan for this set of trilogy that's going to come from Ryan Johnson that whoever writes and direct them will probably have to follow suit with his vision. Because, yeah, I agree. He is like the new George Lucas for this trilogy, which, you know, I think is going to be a good thing. So, And going back to the potential, you know, speculation of what we want to see in this new trilogy and going back to, you know, talking about Origins of the Force and Jedi and whatnot, even if it's not that, I still I think some some way Jedi and the Force, or maybe not Jedi, but the Force is going to play a role in this story. And I just can't help but think, even if it is Jedi and we heard fans saying you know want Old Republic stuff, I think hopefully this will be the trilogy where we finally get an army of Jedi versus an army of maybe not Sith but dark side users for like a <sighs> grand like Lord of the Rings style battle sequence with lightsabers. I mean that's the one thing we haven't gotten yet, and. I was even speculated way back before episode seven came out, how that would be a cool way to end the trilogy with a big epic battle like that for episode nine. This is before we knew what the story was going to be and how there pretty much are no Jedi still in the sequel trilogy. So if we can get something like that in this trilogy, wow, how amazing and epic will that be? And just, you know, set it apart from the rest and have it be truly unique to give it, you know, a battle in star Wars we have never seen before. Wow. I don't know how that idea hadn't crossed my mind before, but you're giving me chills right now. <laughs> like you picture like the um the trailer, the first cinematic trailer for Star Wars the Old Republic where it's got mm -hmm. like the Sith attacking the Jedi Temple. Yeah, something like that in a movie like holy crap, that would be amazing. Yes, and I'm not is. even saying it has to be that exact same battle playing out or anything. I mean, again, I'm not trying to just like toot my KOTOR fanboy horn. Um, 
you know, if they, you know, regardless of whether they want to use those same characters or some of those same settings or not, like, I don't really care at this point. Um, like, if they do borrow some stuff from that, I'm expecting it to undergo a lot of changes. But I'm also expecting that this might even go, like, back before that um, to, you know, again, like just like the very first Jedi Temple on Octo and sort of the, the very foundations of that. But it also could be said a little bit after that too um Mm -hmm. depending on like how primitive they want to go with it um you know i mean if you look at just sort of the the scenery of octo in the last jedi i mean it looks like they're basically just they call it the jedi temple but these are just like stone huts that these guys apparently lived in um and it's like i don't know did they even have like spaceships and hyperdrives and stuff at that point like who knows but um i mean that's all kind of stuff that you would imagine they're going to bring into a star wars movie um but man i don't know just you know i think just taking it back to that time period where it's set way back before the movies and like you said getting to see just sort of the origins of i don't know the like the necessary necessarily that we're going to see the origins of the force like that's something that i don't necessarily think they should mess with too much um and that's where I like to kind of leave some of the mystery intact. I don't have an issue with midi-chlorians as much as a lot of people do, but, I mean, you see just kind of the backlash to that. It's like, leave the mystery and the just sort of the mystical aspects to some of that stuff, but, I mean, the history and the founding of the Jedi Order? Sure, give me that any day. It made me even think, too, of, like, how far I go back. And I'm thinking of those old Tales of the Jedi comics and those Golden Age of the Sith stories where... It was so far back where the Jedi had to have their lightsabers connected to like a power pack connected mm-hmm. on their belts, <laughs> like to have some to show that a little more primitive than what we're used to. I think they go that route can make for you know for something cool and different and unique for it as well. Have that Star Wars flavor to it, but yet if it's way far back, have it you know different and unique enough where you could tell the progressions made over the course of thousands of years. Because you know it's always been one of my nitpicks about the old Republic games of how it's like. 3,000 years ago when everything's pretty much the same as far as designs and all that stuff. So if they are going to go way back, I just hope visually it'll be something totally different too than what we've seen in the Star Wars movie before. No, I think it will be. Um, but, man, just like, oh, oh, I just realized <laughs> they could tie this in too with, uh, you know, the Rebels episode where they go to Malachor and hint oh, at like some <laughs> giant battle that had taken oh oh that my gosh cool <laughs> what see tons of those and then you're tying the movies <laughs> and rebels and knights of the old republic all together because that's where malachor originally was from and like whoo my fanboy wheels are spinning super yeah, fast right now hey we know him and dave filoni you know spent a good amount of time on set together so that's knows what they talked true. about <laughs> Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, like I said, got to keep expectations in check, though. Yeah, <laughs> well... Too attached to these ideas and have it not come to fruition to be devastatedly disappointed. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm not getting attached to any of them. It's more just the the excitement of just thinking how many possibilities they've got. Because of all the different things we just mentioned, if any one of those made it into a movie i my excitement would be through the roof yeah um and so you know just 
you know, thinking of all this stuff they've, they've got to work with. And I mean, honestly, like all the stuff from that time period and not just like the Knights of the Old Republic games with like Darth Revan and Darth Malak, but even other characters and storylines from that time period. I mean, like you were saying with Tales of the Jedi, I mean, you've got like Exar Kun and uh, the, the wars on Onderon and all this other kind of stuff. It's like, and, you know, then if you want to go a little bit further in the timeline, Darth Bane and stuff like that. Um, it's like if they want to incorporate any of that kind of stuff into a, a new trilogy um, and, you know, keep it the same or change it and do what they want with it. There's so much fertile ground there for, you know, cool characters and stories that they could use. But then also if they want to take it back to just that similar kind of timeline where it's like thousands of years before the movies and they want to erase all that stuff from the canon and start with a completely new blank slate then like i'm still excited just thinking about wow now you have this brand new blank canvas to create the history of the jedi order from scratch like as much mm -hmm. as i would love to see some of that previously existing stuff just the the completely you know brand new possibilities are you know really exciting too and just thinking about what they could do with that so um man it's just wide open and uh i think it's safe to say that at the next star wars celebration in 2019 episode 9 might not be the thing i'm most excited about <laughs> wow i mean that's saying so but might not i'm just saying yeah. <laughs> like like i'll be uh, don't I, don't get me wrong i'll be super excited to see what i'm assuming is going to be the first trailer for episode nine that we get to see at that point but also as far as just information because you know like that's probably when they're going to reveal for the first time like at least where this new trilogy is going to be set and i'm sure uh -huh. there'll be a panel with ryan johnson talking about that and you know the his process of creating these new movies and i i mean if it it depends on the timeline because if that's coming out two years after episode nine then maybe we'll also get casting announcements and stuff around then but even if they're not ready to go into production on it yet i'm sure we'll at least get just sort of the first details of like you know just broad strokes of what the story might be about and where it might be set um and that is information that i'm going to be chomping at the bit to get mm -hmm. and i was gonna say too i wouldn't blame you if you're more excited for <laughs> this than what might be in episode nine if we're gonna if any of the stuff we're talking about is gonna be you know involved if we hear anything about and get confirmation on in ryan johnson's new trilogy so celebration well whatever it's gonna be at <laughs> celebration 2019 is gonna be one so so exciting with you know episode nine for my new animated series and now in this new trilogy from ryan johnson geez yeah and i will crazy. say with the first movie of ryan johnson's trilogy i'm going to totally revert right back to force awakens mode where i wanted to read every rumor see every clip every tv spot <laughs> every footage i was just like it's a new era of star wars and i don't know what it's going to look like and i need to know yeah i mean it's pretty much what it is i mean it's not going to be as long as gap as we've had before with these new with the trilogies we've gotten in Star Wars so far, but it's still going to be a new era and something totally unexplored. So I totally agree with you. And regardless if it wasn't, I'd probably be looking at that stuff anyway. But <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Where this is something just totally new where you can't wait to find out what it's going to be about. So yeah, that excitement I think it's going to be there for this one. Maybe not quite on the level as Episode Seven, but just the whole 
you know, not knowing what it's going to be and the newness of it, what that it could potentially have is just going to make the excitement level for fans just kind of, I think, almost reach that level of what it was for The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. Man, like, what are the ships going to look like? Yeah, I will say that. Hopefully, no more X-Wings and standard TIE Fighter stuff. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, they better not be. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it's just uh, there's there's so many cool and exciting possibilities. Um, and just, you know, so much at their fingertips as far as, um, you know, different areas of, of the story that they could explore. Yeah. Um, now, is there, aside from that, anything in particular that you're hoping for from the live action series that we haven't already covered under potential storylines for the new film trilogy? <laughs> I was just kind of thinking, you know, that that's not what the movie's going to be. Let's have it be the TV show. <laughs> We're focusing on, you know, the origins of Jedi and whatnot. They could probably tell a really cool story over the course of some TV seasons, but I think that deserves to be told in movies if they're going to do that, so... The, I imagine the TV show's probably going to be a little, you know, on a story-wise, maybe smaller in scale than that with uh, the Force and the Jedi. I just have a feeling it's not necessarily, you know, my favorite aspect of Star Wars, but I think they're going to go the more, you know, following a smuggler or, or a group of pirate type route. I can just see that being the starting point for the TV show. Maybe it's just because we've heard so much about, you know, the Star Wars Underworld TV show that George Lucas was developing mm. after Revenge of the Sith. I have a feeling that they're going to take inspiration for that because, you know, there's 50 scripts just sitting on the shelf. Maybe they're not going to, you know, totally adapt what was written there, but maybe take ideas and inspiration from it. And I think we're all going to get the more, like, you know, grounded stories of Star Wars, whether it's with smugglers, criminal organizations, stuff like that. So that's kind of the direction... I could see it going towards, but at the same time too, I wouldn't mind it if they do something, you know, you know, the trooper fanboy in me, like whether having a show following a squad of soldiers, you know, over the course of a few seasons, whether it's, you know, first order era, stormtrooper era, or my dream ideal scenario, clone wars era, <laughs> following mm. a group of clones, but I don't think they're going to do that, but just the idea of following like a squadron of soldiers, even it could be on like on the rebel side too could be pretty interesting. So that's something I'd want to see rather than, you know, following, you know, the criminal underworld and smugglers or whatnot. But I have a feeling that's what we're going to get in this TV show. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a safe bet. I mean, especially considering, like you said, I, I sometimes forget that, like, not just that Star Wars Underworld was a thing, but that they actually have, like, 50-some-odd scripts mm -hmm written that are just sitting around somewhere it's like well yeah you could just make those and then you know part of the work is already done for you um so yeah i think that could be cool to see um but yeah aside from that i mean kind of like we were just talking about i mean there's so many different possibilities especially when you take into account um I mean, we were kind of narrowing our view a little bit, I guess, when talking about the trilogy because they said it was going to be in this corner of the universe that's never been explored before. Of course, they've said that before with a lot of stuff that, like, just hadn't been explored in the official canon. Mm -hmm. um, I'm yeah, trying like to think Rebels. of, like, how many times over the years have we heard a pitch for something where it's, like, set in the unexplored time period between Star Wars Episodes 3 and 4? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
where I'm like, yeah, you explored that in the last thing that had the same tagline. Um, I guess what I'm really hoping for that doesn't happen. Yeah, I agree between episodes three and four and episodes four and five, because the comics have got that covered a plenty <laughs> and even some of the novels do. So as long as it's not set between those two eras, I think would probably be for the best. Yeah, definitely. Well, I see the thing is, though, if it was going to take place in the underworld and stuff, it probably would be set during one of those two time periods. But even um, make it between five and six, <laughs> that would be somewhere different. Yeah, but I will say I wouldn't mind seeing, I mean, if it's set on like smugglers and, and the criminal underworld and stuff like that, I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing it set in between episodes three and four, as long as it's showing a different side to it you know just sort of showing regular everyday life under the rule of the empire and doesn't lead to like reluctant heroes joining the rebel alliance because we've gotten that story before i mean that's basically star wars rebels but um i do think there because i mean rebels kind of explores the tail end of that time period i still think there are a lot of interesting stories you could tell just sort of over the course of that span just with that being the backdrop if the focus is just going to be on smugglers or bounty hunters or whatever and not necessarily focusing on the conflict between the empire and the rebellion um, yeah, I think something that could be cool. I know it might be a little similar to Kanan, but a way they can do something that's different where, you know, Kanan's the a Jedi who's trying to hide himself from the Empire and not revealing that he is a Jedi, but eventually he does. What if, you know, if they do want to go in the Dark Times era, like kind of right after Episode 3, if we the story follows a Jedi who just has to completely abandon the Jedi ways, you know, not use his Force powers, not, like, get rid of his lightsaber, don't even have it where he's holding on to it and keeping it in hiding, just have to get rid of it and seeing the progression of a character who was once a Jedi just totally change the way he goes about his life in the galaxy and kind of abandoning everything that he believed in with the Jedi. And maybe that could be a new story or character arc to go through to see a Jedi adapt to a new way of life in the galaxy from what he wasn't used to in the Jedi Order and not have that be a crutch where he can just grab his lightsaber, but have it be where he doesn't use those things and see how this character would get through this period in the dark times. That could be a different way to go if they want to be set in that time period and not be something different than just smugglers and pirates and whatnot. And I can think of a perfect character to be the lead in a series like that, and his name rhymes with Swinlin Moss. (laughs) Well, yeah. Now that you said that, I could totally see that as well. That would be cool. See, I think if this new trilogy really is going to carve out its own spot and tell some brand new stories in an area of the timeline that's never been explored before, I think I actually would like to see the live action series set in a more familiar time period, but showing a different side of it. Um, you know, obviously showing new characters, new stories, but maybe have some cameos from familiar characters or something. I mean, obviously, if it's um, like a Star Wars Underworld type show, you could have Boba Fett be in and out. Um, I think stuff like that would be really cool. I mean, kind of the same way as uh, like Clone Wars and Rebels have done. Yeah. Um, where you like don't focus on the familiar too much, but you allow enough of it in to just make it feel like a cohesive, connected universe. No, yeah, I totally agree. And I I think they will do that too for 
depending on what the story is, they'll find a right way to bring a familiar character into it, even if it's just like a familiar alien species, or not species, but an alien character that we've seen before. Like, even if it's uh, Chewie and not necessarily Han in the show, if it's going to take place in that era, something like that I can see them doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Man, have we uh, have we ever said on this show that it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan? <laughs> well, if we haven't, we definitely mean it now. <laughs> that just keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah, man, like you think it's a good time now. Wait till like 2020 when we can, you know, we've got the entire sequel trilogy on Blu-ray. Yeah. We'll probably be in <laughs> full swing on whatever the next animated series is going to be. And we'll have a Star Wars live action series on Netflix. And we'll be on the cusp of yet another new trilogy that we'll be watching previews for in the theater while we go see an Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone film. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good point, too, because as excited we are for this new stuff coming by the time we get to that new trilogy, like you said, we did have, we'll have the nine complete saga of star Wars on Blu-ray to watch all in a row that we wanted to. I mean, the idea of you know, just getting to the new trilogy or just episode seven for us, uh, so impossible, but just in a few years, we'll have all of them on Blu-ray. We could have watched episodes one through nine and rogue one and solo a star Wars story <laughs> and be ready for the Obi-Wan movie and this new trilogy. God, two complete animated series that we could go back and watch and then have a new one on the horizon. It's just insane and just so awesome. Like, this, even on the home front, <laughs> to watch in the comfort of your home with all this new Star Wars stuff that you're going to be able to enjoy. And then, you know, go to a movie and see a new Star Wars film, which is, just gets so, doesn't get any better. It's just so good right now. Yeah, man, it is just nuts. But, uh... Hey, we can't complain. Oh, heck no. <laughs> if if there's ever such thing as too much Star Wars, I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that was like early on in some of our episodes where that would potentially be a worry, not necessarily for, you know, us or other fans, but for a general audience. But maybe for some people it is. But for me, no, <laughs> I don't see that ever happening because like I said, it's just so much good stuff right now to enjoy and all of it's been good for the most part and i don't see that slowing down anytime soon and i just love consuming it all <laughs> it hasn't mm -hmm. gotten to a point where uh, i gotta cut back on you know certain things on star wars and i'm not enjoying this though it's like nope everything i'm getting so far i've been loving and i just want more and we're getting more so <laughs> yeah and if you ever get tired of one thing you can go back to something else exactly you know see it's surprising because you feel like with so much Star Wars stuff, you might get burned out on it, but it's almost like there's so much that it keeps you from getting burned out on it. Like, huh. yeah, that's a good way to look like at it. I, but I know I'm, what you mean. Yeah, like I'm not sick of watching The Force Awakens like 15 times on Blu ray because I've, you know, haven't watched it a ton of times because I'm busy like watching Rebels and playing Battlefront and watching Rogue One and you know, all this other kind of stuff. It's like you don't get one thing and just beat it to death. Um, not that that was ever really a problem to begin with, because back in the day, you know, we got one Star Wars movie at a time and had to wait three years in between, and we still loved the heck out of those ones too. But, you know, I'm just saying it's like, I don't know. I, I definitely don't feel 
burnt out or oversaturated or anything like that because I'm just loving, for the most part, all the stuff that we're getting. Yep. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, just keep it coming. <laughs> that's all I say. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So that's pretty much it for movie and and uh, upcoming you know live action discussion and all that kind of stuff. Um, and before we wrap up for the episode, let's talk for a bit about Star Wars Rebels, um, which I know you and Paul talked about the season premiere and the first couple episodes on uh, the last episode. Um, and I haven't even gotten to talk, you know, anything about uh, the first half of the season because it flew by so quick because they were showing yeah. two episodes a week and it was only, you know, nine episodes for the first half of the season. Um, but, man, I got to say Rebels has really found its footing. I mean, much in the same way with Clone Wars that you can say it pretty much got better and better every season. Um, I would say the same for Star Wars Rebels. Um you know, season one, I thought was good, but I mean, you know, that one was kind of shorter and it, it took a while to kind of find its footing maybe, um, but definitely had some good episodes, some some really good episodes and some great moments. Um, season two was a, actually a little more inconsistent and kind of up and down for me because um, obviously anything with Vader and Ahsoka like just stole the show, but I feel like that almost kind of took away from the rest of the season in a sense, because, I mean, it still had some good episodes, but it's just like, I don't know. I, I felt like it was either kind of alternated between being like really good and kind of like, eh, could kind of take it or leave it. Um, but then I thought season three was a big step up and just sort of overall consistent quality and excitement and everything. And then season four just continued that trend. Um, and especially as you see them getting closer now towards like Rogue One and episode four and, you know, they're on Yavin four and you got more of like Mon Mothma and Saw Gerrera and stuff. And it's just firing on all cylinders and, uh, you know, I'm loving it. Oh yeah, I agree. This season, I mean, Getting back to Lothal was, you might not think it at the time, but it's been proven to be, you know, the best consistent amount of episodes we've gotten uh, as like a complete story arc in Star Wars Rebels. And Dave Filoni said it before the season started where how, you know, there wasn't going to be much filler in the season. It's pretty much all going to be, you know, big episodes that pertain to the overall plot of the season and i think it's safe to say that's been the case oh and, you mean we're not going to get another episode of that uh, imperial protocol droid singing as he floats through space oh man <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that i think uh talking to paul one of our battlefronts uh played through mentioned it was like oh man i forgot about it but that was probably the low point of star wars rebels i'm sorry <laughs> that was just took you completely out of it so yeah definitely none of that in this season so far but i can tell you what i love most about this season loath wolves oh man they have been incredible and kind of what i was saying about the voltex in the last jedi just that and you brought it up too the fantasy element that these creatures are bringing to star wars i just love it and just visually they look awesome but just what the loath wolves represent and with the force and their connection with uh first i thought I mean, the trailers made you believe it was going to be with Ezra, but it's really with Kanan. Mm -hmm. I got to say, I just loved hearing him talk. I mean, they don't talk complete sentences. They just say one word, and the one just says doom. And I didn't even put it together right away when he told Ezra doom. I just thought he meant, like, doom for the planet, for Lothal with the Empire coming. But 
in that episode. I think it was uh, Kindred, where he, yeah, you know, it was calling out Kane, Kanan, and you know, Caleb Doom being his real name. I was like, oh man, that just makes total sense. And why didn't I realize that earlier? But yeah, I didn't catch that at first either. But I was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, I just love the Lost World visually, what they represent to the story and their connection with the Force, and just. They bring that fantasy element into Star Wars, which is always awesome. So, yeah, I've been fascinated with them. It's probably been my favorite aspect of the season, to be honest. But we've gotten some great action episodes, too. I mean, I talked about, me and Paul talked about the first four episodes. But another one that stood out to me this season was uh, Flight of the Defender. Mm -hmm. Seeing that Time Defender in action was really, really cool. Just seeing it, what it can do and how it maneuvers, taking out those TIE Fighters. Uh, it was really, really cool. So, yeah. And then got to talk about Rebel Assault real quick. How amazing was it seeing X-Wings in action on this TV show? It was awesome. And I got to be honest, certain shots, not all of them, there's a few of them, looked like they could could have been taken directly from A New Hope to Special Edition. It mm -hmm. looked that good. The models, the way they moved, it was just really, really well done. And it lived up to, you know, waiting four seasons to finally see X-Wings in battle. It, it delivered. The only thing I wish we would have gotten was, you know, kind of a little story point to, you know, how that part of the rebellion with Mon Mothma and uh, Hera, how they got the X-Wings. Because we know how they got the Y-Wings. That was in the season three premiere. But they yeah. just kind of... And we know how they got the B-Wings. Yeah, that's a good point too. But the X-Wings just kind of showed up. And as much as they were holding off on giving us the X-Wings and having them appear in the series. I thought we would have gotten a little, you know, story element added to how that rebel cell on Yavin got the X-Wings. But mm -hmm. it was a small little nitpick because seeing them in action was just so, so cool. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But, you know, it was it was really cool to finally see them, obviously. Um, but then at the same time, like, I was almost surprised how dark they went with it when they, like, all got wiped out. Um, <laughs> but that was pretty awesome, though, when those TIE fighters came out. <laughs> yeah. Falling down on the sky. <laughs> but again, I mean, just the, again, the maturity of the storytelling. Um, like, you've still got some of your, you know, humor and uh, sort of lighthearted comedic moments. But, I mean, again, it's definitely sort of taking the same route Clone Wars did, where it started out as a kid's show, and by the end of it is really you know taking itself like not too seriously but just seriously enough that like you can really get invested in it and not feel like you're watching a saturday morning cartoon set in mm -hmm. the star wars universe but that this really is like a legitimate star wars story and um i mean that moment in particular stood out to me where you know like they're all excited, you know, waiting to see the like Kanan and Ezra and everybody are on the ground and they're all excited waiting for the X-Wings to come and do the the strafing run on the Imperial Fuel Depot or whatever. And then you just see the flaming debris falling out of the sky and Ezra's just like, is that our fleet? Um, you know, that was just sort of a gut punch of like, whoa, dang, like everything's not all, you know, happy and successful all the time. Um, but, I mean, I feel like the the entire season so far has kind of had that feel to it, um, mostly just from, like, the look and feel of Lothal, you know, them coming back to it and having the Empire having, like, scorched it and everything. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, again, it's like, okay, they're, they're not messing around anymore. Um, 
you know, the, the empire means business and you see, uh, you know, I mean, you can really just start to see the changes that, um, I don't know, that have happened over the progression of the story. Just, you know, the, the way that the empire has changed the landscape, the way that this is affecting Ezra and, it, you know, it's just sort of changing the characters, but then also just reflecting like the changes that they've all gone through over the past four years. Um, also, I like that they finally, you know, sort of acknowledged the, um, the relationship between Kanan and Hera. Um, and I'm not one of those people that was, you know, quote unquote, shipping them the entire time and waiting for them to, <laughs> you know, finally kiss. But like having read, um, the novel, A New Dawn that came out and, you know, it's set like, f I think like five years before the beginning of, uh, you know, yeah. rebels, but it's uh -huh. when Kanan and Hera meet for the first time. And there's clearly some romantic tension there, especially from Kanan. Like he basically just has a crush on her from the moment he meets her. And Hera, like at first doesn't like him and then kind of warms up to him, but is like, why? Like she, it's funny. Cause I kind of got the feeling from the book that like, she doesn't quite realize even that she's like as beautiful or attractive as she is. And she's just like, we got an empire to stop. Like, why are you staring at me? Like, let's just, you know, she's all business. Um, and, but like by the end of the book, she finally kind of like warms up to him a little bit to the, you know, just in the sense that you feel like, okay, there's some like future potential here, but then the show starts and it's like, okay, like there's, it's five years later and like still nothing. But then there was like one of those little three minute shorts that they showed, um, you know, that they released before the series actually aired. And I think it was the one with like Chopper on the ghost. And there's a part where it looks like Hanan and Kara, or bleh, Kanan and Hera were, you know, about to kiss or something. And it's just like, I was like, so is there something here or is there not? Like, I need an answer. And we finally got our answer. So, um, yeah, I was happy about that. Um, and then, but yeah, like you it's, said, it's setting up some big heartbreak, though, especially where the season, uh, the mid season finale ended. Like, you know what's happening when Kanan's going back there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen immediately, like with him going back in. And I, you man. see, I didn't think so either. But now I think because I thought that'd be like a serious finale thing where if Kanan was going to die or sacrifice himself, it would happen. But now I'm not so sure, especially with, you know, talking to the loath wolf right before he headed back to save Hera and just telling it like, I know what to do now. It's just, you know, it's setting up for him to make that ultimate sacrifice when he goes back to rescue Hera. Mm -hmm. But maybe it'll drag out for a few episodes and maybe the finale will, you know, be, you know, him finally rescuing Hera and then sacrificing himself. But I don't know. I can't imagine her being a captive for the remainder of the season of the last few episodes. So I just have a feeling it might be coming sooner rather than later for Kanan's sacrifice yeah his his doom for lack of a better word yeah. <laughs> um but no for real though like you know you got the the fact that when the loath wolf first was just saying doom you're like oh he's talking about something you know big and scary but then you realize like oh that's actually kanan's name but still just the way that he says it and the fact that you know he doesn't like just talk to him and call him caleb doom like every time it shows up he still just says doom and mm -hmm. it's like there's still something undeniably ominous about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how that's all going to end up. Have they said how many more episodes there are going to be? I want to say it's like 
maybe six or seven, something like that. Okay, yeah. Oh, I think it's, it's either 15 or 16 episodes. I think it's 16 episodes for the okay. season. So, yeah, that would mean seven more. Um, man, yeah, I'm I'm very intrigued and excited to see where they go with it when it comes back. Um, like you said, the Loaf Wolves are just fantastic. Um, I, I think... You know, clearly Dave Filoni was not lying to us when he uh, drew that picture and pointed to Ahsoka and said, not the wolf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think it was the wolf and it said, not Ahsoka. I think is what it said. <laughs> oh, maybe. I thought it said not. I thought it's like wolf and then it pointed to Ahsoka and said, like, not the wolf. And then he drew like a convery and it said also not the wolf. Or yeah, something it was something like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, they're definitely not Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah they're definitely not Ahsoka. Um but that has me wondering, like, they keep saying that we're going to find out more about what happened to Ahsoka. And I'm like, well, we've got seven episodes left. So how mm-hmm. is that all going to tie into this? Um, Man, I can't wait for that, like, second half trailer for the season. Because those are the trailers that really show the big stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, the second half are usually when big things go down. So I have a feeling we'll get a little tease of, you know, what we're going to learn about Ahsoka in this upcoming trailer we'll get hopefully soon. Yes, please. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. And let's see. One thing I'm thinking is maybe like if Kanan does actually die, but it's like in the season finale, and like maybe like the last thing you see is like him. So you know, like a, almost like a light at the end of the tunnel kind of sequence where it's like you see him, but it's clearly like sort of him within the force or something like after he's already died and it's like he sees like ahsoka's spirit kind of guiding him into like becoming one with the force or something like that yeah it still leaves so many unanswered questions about ahsoka though i think because i think dave definitely hinted hinted that we will you know learn her fate one way or another as far as you know what happened after that lightsaber fight well i think I guess what I'm saying is like if Kanan clearly dies and then he sees Ahsoka, that for me would tell me, oh, okay, Ahsoka died too. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm hoping it's a little more than that. But yeah, I don't know. And I mean, I'm hoping it's more than that too. But again, I'm like they're running out of episodes to tell that story. Yeah. And when <laughs> as of right now, it seems like it would have no connection to the rest of the, you know the big story that's going on. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how they're going to, uh, manage to fit that in there. But, um, yeah, regardless, it's been a great season so far. And I get the feeling that by the end of this, by the time, you know, everything wraps up, it's probably going to be the best season of the show. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And hopefully we get to uh, see some more X-Wings in action that don't all get shot down. (laughs) by a massive fleet of tie fighters but i did like that you know that that kind of served to um elevate thrawn as a villain a little bit more too because you know he's got his whole plan with his blockade and you know his uh his commander dude with the tie defender and he's like the rebels aren't going to get through and then they get through his blockade and on the one hand it's like well of course they were going to get through but then on the other hand it's like but this is thrawn like they're kind of making him look silly here and then he's like no i had a backup plan like sure you get past my 
fleet, you get into the planet's atmosphere. All right, wave two, and just like a hundred TIE fighters come out of nowhere. And <laughs> oh, just, it was beautiful. <laughs> like the Rebels didn't stand a chance. I was thinking too, going into it, I mean, uh, I knew that, you know, the story group and Dave Filoni knew what they were doing, but the back of my head, I was thinking, well, this can't actually end in a victory with, you know, Phoenix Squadron completing their mission because, again, going back to Rogue One, is that being, you know, the first victory the Rebels had, or major victories the Rebels had against the Empire, and Mm -hmm. if they would have succeeded in their mission here, it would have preceded that and, you know, kind of contradicted itself, but again... Like you said, once they got through that blockade and the TIE fighters took him down, it, that became a mute point. And again, Dave and the story group, they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. where they're not going to contradict anything that big. Yeah. Well, that makes you wonder, though, how is this all going to play out? Like, I mean, you think kind of the main end game of the season is going to be for them to defeat Thrawn. Um, but... Yeah, but it could be in a way where like they somehow get rid of Thrawn, but they don't necessarily win the battle. Type yeah. Of thing. Well, and also, I mean, maybe they win the battle, but it's not the rebels winning the battle. It's like Kanan summons the four spirits of Ahsoka and the Bendu and an army of Loth wolves, and they all chase <laughs> the Empire off Lothal. I was picturing the scene in Return of the King where Aragorn comes off the boat and all like the army of the dead <laughs> <laughs> you know, just wipes all those orcs out. Oh man. <laughs> How cool would that be, though, if, like, even if it was just Kanan, like, with an army of wolves behind him or something like that? Oh, man, I'd love that. (laughs) That would be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the series finale episodes are going to be, because you know it's going to be big, but at the same time, we've seen big stuff before on Rebels. Are they going to bring any of those elements back? I an example of Darth Vader. <laughs> like, will he come back for the series finale? Are they saving Ahsoka for the series finale? Will Darth Vader come back? Will Agent Callus come back? Because I just realized, like, I think I thought it was really cool that you know they had Callus like have a change of heart and join the rebellion, but he hasn't done anything since he joined the rebellion. Yeah, like I thought he was going to be a That's major true. part of it this season and be like helping them fight against the Empire, but. Um, you know, well, I guess he and Rex are back with you know the group on Yavin, while uh, you know everybody else is here on Lothal. Maybe they'll come and you know be back up or something, or maybe their part in the story is mostly done, and we'll have you know some future story set in the rebellion time period where we'll just see you know Rex and Callus uh, off on missions together. Well, we still got. Hopefully, there should be an episode. I'm hoping it's all about Rex, but there was that you know concept not concept art but like that preview art of rex or that model art of him in the rebel commando outfit from return of the jedi that makes oh, that's him look like true. that old soldier so i don't know if be... they ever confirmed that that's actually going to be in an episode though although i certainly yeah, would love they, to I see kind it. of they kind of hinted at it though where they were showing you know preview art for season four uh, oh okay where, so i think it's definitely going to happen whether you know it's an episode focusing all on rex or he's just wearing an outfit like that for a battle i don't know but we still got to see him in that Rebel Commando outfit. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, maybe just Callus and uh, Rex come to try to help him out, or maybe the Rebels send some more reinforcements with like ground troops. Um, yeah, because that episode where they were just hanging out, whether the Ghost or the Phantom, where just Rex and Callus uh, there, and I think Hera left Rex in charge of the whole thing. Like, I, well, yeah, I think she left Rex in charge of the Ghost. Okay, it was because they don't have the Ghost with them on Lothal. Yeah, it was just like. After that, I wanted to see more of Rex and Cal just, you know, hanging out on the ghost, <laughs> what their mm-hmm. interactions would be like. 
yeah. him telling stories from the Clone Wars and him telling like stuff that was going on with the Empire would have been cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Even if we don't see that on Rebels, that's you know something that should pop up in some kind of future Star Wars yeah. story. But um, yeah, no, lots of exciting stuff going on there. And even again, just talking about all the possibilities of stuff we could see, I'm like, man, how are they going to fit that all in in seven episodes? And suddenly, I'm like, man, I can't believe this is almost over. Um, I kind of wish we had another like full 22 episode season, but. Um, I do like that they're kind of going for the more concise approach because definitely like the filler episodes of Rebels tend to be my least favorite ones, whether it's singing droids or puffer pigs or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but no, this season's been really great so far, and I am definitely looking forward to the second half. Yep. I mean, we said it before the season even started how we better enjoy the ride. I think it was even more so because having those two episodes back to back each night is made of flyby like we said earlier so like you really had to savor the moments of how awesome it is because like you said it's halfway over and we don't know if they're going to do the same thing with the second half as far as uh, airing back to back episodes but if it does boy we yeah, you better enjoy it because it's going to probably go even faster than those first episodes did since there's only seven so yeah that'll be I, only four weeks i'm kind of hoping as much as it was cool seeing two episodes back to back they kind of you know just go back to one episode a week just to have it last as long as it could and have a you know seven weeks of star wars rebels before it's all over yeah i don't i definitely wouldn't mind that or it'll probably be six weeks as i imagine the final episodes would probably be a two-parter if not maybe three who knows so and i oh, would imagine true. they would air those all in one night yeah that's true they usually do tend to have like hour-long season finales mm-hmm. but yeah still i i would agree with you though i think it would be good to stretch it out over like six weeks yep so anyway um obviously lots of cool exciting stuff going on um but i think we've hit just about everything um except for the roundup of the listener responses and tweets and all that good stuff so uh you want to run that down for us like you always do before we head out as always and this time it's going to be all about ryan johnson's upcoming trilogy and what the listeners want to see so on Twitter, we got a few responses. First up from Dylan Sparks at Suburban Home says, Old Republic with an exclamation point. And Joseph Amen. Golden at uh, CC Star 138 says, I hope that this new trilogy will either take place either in the Old Republic era yep. or post episode nine era. I still can't believe we are getting another Star Wars trilogy. And then Michael at Jedi Obi Mike says, Yoda's backstory would be super cool. And I agree with that. I don't know if we get a whole trilogy focusing on Yoda's backstory, but Yoda's history is something I've been clamoring for since we first got the announcement of standalone Star Wars movies. So I'm hoping eventually that's still down the pipeline at Lucasfilm. And then on Facebook, Brian Bailey says, I hope it's another or I hope it's around the time of the first Jedi Temple and the writing and the writing of the Journal of the Wills. Would love to see some of the origins of the Force. Ryan could book and the Jedi, the first Jedi and the last Jedi. And then Jason Burt says, or actually he just posts an image of the Old Republic. I'm sensing a theme of what fans want to see in this new trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Mike LG says, I'm open for anything. Bring it on. So, yeah, a lot of excitement for this new trilogy from Ryan Johnson, but the majority really wanted old republic film so if lucasfilm ever did a poll to ask fans what uh, type of movie they'd want to see for a future star wars film 
I think it'd be 100% we get the Old Republic. Not that it would get 100% of the votes, but it would win where it would 100% happen if that was the case. So, mm-hmm. But Lucasfilm isn't doing that, so we'll just have to see if that is in their plans. And then lastly, got a email from our pal Dane who sent an interesting question, but one that we just might have to you know come up with an answer with. He goes... What if you take the Last Jedi title literally and also say that Luke is the Last Jedi and Luke dies in the movie? That would lead me to think that the Jedi would be no more, which would place Rey in a great position because she would get to name the new group formerly known as Jedi. So I guess my question is, if Rey names the new group Cool Space Wizards with cool laser swords formerly known as Jedi, what in your, <laughs> what in your opinion would they call their council? And do you think the Sith feeling like they should be hop on the bandwagon, rename themselves to? <laughs> well, I don't know if they call themselves cool space switches with cool laser swords, formerly known as Jedi. But if, <laughs> if they were to be a council with that, they would have to be called the Council of Cool Space Wizards, wouldn't they? <laughs> it just makes sense. I don't but, know. I feel like you have to come up with something random for that. Like... I don't know, like, you, you can't come up with a name like the, the Cool Space Wizards with Cool Laser Swords and then just call yourself the Council of Cool Space Wizards with Cool Laser Swords. It's got to be, like, I don't know, it's got to have some kind of code name or something. I that... like the the Council of Cool Space Wizards has a nice ring to it, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, and with a title like that, you'd have it. to come something with equally creative just for the council. I would guess that <laughs> would sound just as crazy as that. <laughs> but I do think, you know, I've speculated about this before, where I think when we got the first teaser trailer about, you know, the last uh, Luke saying the Jedi have to end. And what if, you know, they do have to establish a new form of like using the force that or a new organization that's not the Jedi, but something different would need a new name. I always thought about that. Not necessarily the name of it, but of a way going down the line to fully end this era of Star Wars and begin something new if they do something like beyond Episode Nine, whether it's with Rey or Kylo Ren or not. But that's a new set of movies set after that and establishing a new way of things that's beyond the Jedi if they would have to create a new name. Something tells me they won't because the Jedi name is so iconic. But if they really wanted to bookend like the Skywalker saga, I think they might have to put a book in on the way of the Jedi too and come up with something new, but it is interesting. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever come to that point, but if they ever did, they would have to try to think of a name that's, you know, as iconic as Jedi. Yeah, they could. Well, I I think the bad guys who oppose the cool space wizards, they could name their council, the Senate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep. Pretty much. (laughs) But yeah, a wild, crazy question to end uh, (laughs) our episode with wild, crazy speculations of what's in store for Star Wars in the future. So thank you, Dane. And thank you, everyone else who chimed in on Twitter and Facebook about what they want to see in Ryan Johnson's future Star Wars trilogy. So always much appreciated to hear your guys' thoughts. Yeah. Thank you guys for chiming in on the discussion. Um, You know, we always love to have you participating with us and uh, get opinions outside of just our own and occasionally even, you know, some wacky questions from some of you that catch us totally off balance. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, you know, as always, you guys can check us out online at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. Follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. 
Um, you can check out our website at starwarstsc.com and you can email us at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, so that's just about going to do it for this episode. Um, man, good to be back talking Star Wars with you guys again. And uh, I'm excited to keep doing more of that as we uh, ramp up over these next couple weeks. Um, like I said, we'll be back next week talking some Battlefront and then it'll be last jedi time and uh man yeah it's this is just gonna be such an awesome time i cannot wait for this movie hope you guys are all just as excited as we are um we will see you next time and until then thank you for tuning in and may the force be with you see you next time everybody <laughs>